episode 242, that sounds special, of the F-Reality podcast. The tech train is speeding up, and if you want into this ride, the crew and I are here to give you this fortnightly digest of its top tickles, best tricks, and news that's going to make you turn your head. Here's what we've got. Guess what? Jizzy arms are back. Caught in the (laughs) wild on live television. And so is The Frank Show. Coincidence? I think not. No need to pray any longer, pups, because it's RTX on. Well, VRTX on for your Unreal Engine game collection. There's new toys at CES and Sony teased an HMD design that'll have you absolutely itching for an upgrade. Snapdragon is getting snappier with a new chipset announced, powering tomorrow's headsets. And Razer's got plans to shake you by the spine with their new gaming accessory. Speaking of shaking, are we about to get a new DualSense controller? Leaks claim we might have a version 2 before long. And after we punch through those headlines, well, Adam's gone and shoved Jose off a skyscraper, so she's coming, (laughs) gunning for the releases section. While sidelined Jose falls to an untimely pancake moment, far, far below, and not unlike that messy scene from the film in Bruges, Adam's going to give us the gooey good stuff that's headed our way in the second half of January. Now, over to our always friendly crew introductions. We're missing Jose this time around, as his plane was delayed due to spatial computing-related problems. If you happen to be in the Vegas area and see an excited tech docking door-to-door, converting old folks to the ways of Silicon Jesus, don't be alarmed. It's for their own good. And as for today... I've got the little spatially computed spirit of Jose sitting right here on my shoulder. (laughs) This guy, he's a rock-hard mountain man. When he's not off saving goats from the precipice of Mount Doom, or, well, Canada's best equivalent, he's computing (laughs) volumetrically in a space he likes to call home. We think this PhD is the smartest the lot here at F-Reality, and when he starts into a lecture on the core principles of scientific discovery... I can't keep a straight face after that pre-podcast bit. <clears throat> Most keen students of this show will sit up straight and listen closely. Dr. Rowdy, <laughs> what's the snow like out there in the Rockies? Man, it's been cold here. Yeah. It's been so cold. We've had uh, record-breaking colds, apparently. Um, oh, so no. currently... I mean, are you guys like like Adam maybe because Zim is also European? But do you guys use Fahrenheit? Zim Fahrenheit or Celsius? What, what do you I use, use Fahrenheit? Right. Do you know the point where Fahrenheit and Celsius becomes just the same? Yes. What is that? Uh, negative? Isn't it negative thirty-two or something? Or uh... I think it's uh, negative forty. Negative forty. Okay. Yeah. Where it's like yeah yeah where? right. That's oh my where we're God. at. You're at minus 40? <laughs> How are you living? <laughs> exactly. Are you like, okay? I mean, t- today it's oh, been, uh, the, 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 it's minus 38 degrees Celsius. What? Holy shit. Um, with a high of minus 27 degrees Celsius. <sighs> so yes, it's been a, uh, like my, my windows have been frosted up on the inside. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> which is maybe a bit of an issue. Um, wow. Slightly concerning. You're in real it's, Canada. It's, Real Canada. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's it's been real here. It's like the kind of cold where you go outside and you're like, 
what's in my nose? And you see ice coming uh, out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's, yeah, that's the kind of cold we're having here currently. Wow. Uh, which is crazy because a week from now, it's going to be 40 degrees warmer than that. It's going to be plus five. So we're, we're seeing all ends of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, that's Canada for you. Wow. Adam's face looks like <laughs> in pain. Because <laughs> I, mean, I thought like Vegas was cold. Those things earlier, but that was just like maybe 40 Fahrenheit at oh, no. the it, lowest at night. Yeah, but... no, they, they're recommending people here to just not go outside currently because it's just yeah, no kidding. It's uh, you can get frostbite probably in like four to five minutes if you have exposed skin. Yeah. Wow. Oh, but you got to do all those cool TikToks where you just throw stuff outside and watch it, see how fast it freezes, right? <laughs> yeah, that's for, the gram. Every, that's for non-Canadians, <laughs> I think. <laughs> for sure. It's probably Americans doing that, that yeah. come to Canada. That's 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 cold. That's cold. I, I don't know if they have it in Canada, uh, but when I was living in Alaska as a kid, I was like 10 years old, uh, we had something called Fur Rendezvous, which used to be the fur trappers would come together and they'd celebrate and trade furs or whatever and come in from the cold. And, and in modern times, for rendezvous, like in Anchorage and places like that where I lived, uh, you know, they have actually like a carnival. And so you can go on carnival rides at like minus 35, minus 40 Fahrenheit uh, while they're yeah. doing ice sculpture, ice sculptures and stuff like this. So that's my last memory of like, yeah, minus 35, I think it was. But you're like there and this thing is like swinging you around and you're like, I'm so cold. <laughs> But what was this thing called again? For, for rendezvous. For, so the oh, now nowadays that means something different. <laughs> Does it? I don't oh, know. Probably a somewhere. furry rendezvous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bunch of furries getting together for a good time. Yeah. <laughs> it's sub zero. Yeah, no, it's it's oh, it's been God. it's been uh, it's been super cold. Um, wow. And that's kind of kind of my life right now. It's not gonna. It's only a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks that we really have this. But after that, it gets. Uh, it gets a little bit better. Yeah, it's still very sunny. That's the weird part about it. It's like super sunny, because uh, like now it's really like bright blue skies. You know, it's it's a lot of snow outside, but it's a uh, it's like it's just weird to see so much sun and have such. You know, your freezer is minus eighteen. This is like twice <laughs> as cold as your freezer. Like it's better to leave my stuff outside. <laughs> That's the crazy. I had I I had my my car parked and we had like a little water bottle inside. I came back after like. I don't know, like an hour or something, and the entire water bottle in my car was just like frozen. Oh my god! Oh my frozen Lord. solid. Holy yeah, crap! That's crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, with that, Rowdy, do you have any uh, particular highlights that you want to uh, listen nah, to? Nah, I think I think I think that was my highlight. <laughs> just like Reason. I've never Reason had, better. I've never faced such cold before. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's been crazy. Yeah, do, sure. do you like it or is it something that you're like looking forward oh, to? No, nobody up? likes this. I don't think I think anybody goes like, oh, it's so nice outside. No, nobody goes outside. But like, I mean, it looks pretty. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> it's I always found like that kind of weather to be really funny because you can get frostbite at the same time you can get sunburn. Because what happens is you yeah. often have crystal blue sky. So no cloud cover. And then you have the snow that also reflects. So you get like yeah. double hit with the sun. Yeah, at like yeah. midday, and yeah, you can literally get yeah. sunburned. And but <laughs> don't go outside at that point. Everything hates definitely, you. This is definitely past the, the point of like uncomfortable cold. This is like painful cold. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing: if you're ever in cold conditions. 
thermal underwear as the best thing ever. It I don't go without it. It is wonderful. And when I say that, just like long johns and stuff like that, or even yeah, a yeah. second top on the top. But like people who don't use that and then move to a cold country are like, I don't know how you, how you can just walk around with just jeans on or something. Like that. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that's me, though. <laughs> very good, Rowdy. Well, thank you for that frigid introduction. And this lass managed to photobomb pretty much everyone at CES with her colorful hair and wicked live attire. Adam Bombadi brings a fun vibe wherever she goes, tripping waiters on purpose, shoving little kids into lines for heart-stopping roller coaster rides, and generously donating to charity. Okay, not really. She just buy- was just buying dog food, uh, which when no one's looking, she doesn't mind sampling for herself on occasion. Hey, a girl's got to eat, right? It was just once. It's funny that this dog food tastes like goat. Um, how was that? How are you doing, Adam? How was, uh, how was CES? I'm doing good. I'll, I'll cover a lot of my CES stuff later on in the podcast, but uh, I did get this awesome shirt. There's a place in um, Vegas called the Atomic Testing Museum. So the, the top, if you can't read it for audio listeners, says never trust an atom. And then the bottom says they make up everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's so good. That's such a good one. So perfect. So I got that shirt and they had a a couple other ones. Anything that said Adam, there's like a a Miss Atomic Bomb shirt. I think I got that one too. And it got a bunch of like pins and just random stickers and stuff. I'm sure that the person at the the gift store was like, she must really love this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We've never had anyone buy this much uh, gift gift shop stuff before. but, But yeah, so that was super fun. Again, I'll go into CES stuff later, but I am proud of something else. I forget if I mentioned this in last highlight or not, but I've I've raised in ranks from uh, Asgard's Wrath to Rift, uh, the Rift Trial. So l- last I checked, wow. you were fifty something last was, time, right? N- yeah, then I was twenty three or twenty four. Is, um, is this global ranking? Now, yes, global. Holy shit! And then a CES happened, so I'm sure that, that I kind of fell somewhere. But I've got a current run that i haven't ended so we'll we'll see what happens after that but it's, what's funny is zim i use you as a determination of how low the, <laughs> the leaderboard can go <laughs> I, I think maybe you tried it once and then and then you left i don't know but you're like down there so i think you were at like three thousand or something so i'm like okay 23 out of like three thousand is pretty good but you're yeah you're my you're my level of how how many people are actually. He's gonna the... try so hard now. I fail still, no. but he's gonna try yeah. not, so hard now. I am not good on the VR competitive <laughs> scene. Like whenever it's it's either GT or Mike or there's a couple of people, uh, the VR yeah. realm. They're just really super competitive, and they will like get their score right the way up. So you're one of those. But um, <laughs> I the thing is, I haven't really gotten to the rifts yet, so. I, I I was gonna say you watch out, but nah, I'm not. I'm not the twentieth <laughs> in the world. No fucking way. I mean, it's weird though, because I'm not normally competitive either. I mean, especially when it comes to shooters and stuff. I'm like, I'm not young anymore. Who who am I kidding? But for some reason, the maybe because the rifts are more hack and slash and kind of you know have some random elements to it, light strategy. I feel like I have a chance <laughs> finally in, in some game, like with other. You know, young people and people my age, I feel like it's more on a kind of even playing ground. So I don't know. I, 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 normally, I'm not a big roguelike person, but I really took to the rifts very strongly for for some well, reason. So other young people, yeah. wow, really stretching it. Yeah, really stretching. It. <laughs> well, I mean, like young, like you know, in their twenties or younger. Yeah, yeah. People who've got faster reflexes yeah, and people half your age. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> man, the exchanges. This is a rough intro, and in. 
Arcane Mage called me the curve anchor. Ouch. <laughs> the curve anchor. Yeah. Yeah, so I appreciate you staying down there because you, you right. make me feel good whenever I keep climbing good. the ranks. Good, good, good. So, uh, and and I know you said you're going to talk CES later. Any other highlights from your road trip there or back or um, games that you've touched on in the interim? I mean, did a couple of other small Vegasy things. There's this place called the Paradox Museum, and it's sort of is a museum that's all about optical illusions and um, messes with perspective and stuff. So you could have like two people standing in a room and one looks taller, like really tall than the other or, or sitting on a chair. But if you're actually looking at the chair, it's it's not a chair. I don't know how to describe it, but it was a really interesting uh, thing. And then they had a Stranger Things store randomly on the strip. So I went and just looked around in there. Um, wow. A, yeah, a this store dedicated to Stranger Things. Yeah, I think I'm assuming it's just a, a pop up, but it was a serious like you had to take an escalator down to this area. And then it was not only a store, but each section of the store was decorated to be a theme from part of the show. Like you had the the wall with the Christmas lights and the letters. Another one was like an area of the school. Um, I'm trying to remember what the other ones were. Uh, one was the more like uh, Vecna area. I don't want to say too many spoilers, but they, they had different elements. Oh, the... Um, the, what's the name of the ice cream shop? Oh, I can't remember. Boy. Yeah, I know. Oops, something. But yeah, they had an area that was like that. So they did, like each section of the store was themed towards a Stranger wow. Things area. That's it was really cool. Yeah, I didn't that, buy anything. That seems but great. Do you have pictures cool. of that? Not today, but maybe for your socials or something yeah, that you posted? Yeah, I, I took a... I had a TikTok that I posted Sweet. on it to showcase the different areas. Check that out. I just, it was neat. I just introduced the kids like last week to Stranger Things. Like um, my daughter had a Stranger Things like I choose could? your own adventure book. Uh, but man, oh, wow. they, they're loving the show. Like, absolutely. Like, it's like, they're just, just and it's, it's so fun to know how a show's going to go and then rewatch yeah. it. So this is my first time kind of back to the loop again. And you pick up stuff that you didn't the first time around. Right. So anyway, that's a, that's a fun one that's to rewatch. I'd love to rewatch Game of Thrones. I still have never managed to kind of have all that series together. So that's another one I've got. I find that a point. waste of time. The last season just spoiled it. <laughs> I regret watching it. All the rest, the whole all the time thing? I spend on yeah, it. The last yeah. season was terrible. Regret it. Um, <laughs> all right. Sounds good. We'll, we'll move on anyway. Chat, you are here for the ride too. Signed up for today's debauchery. And I'd say it's more the three stooges than any other intro today. So buckle in and get ready for some quick news. But first, actually, I've, I've got to introduce, introduce myself. Um, my name is MTalk5, and yes, my parents used Elon Musk's book of baby names, clearly. Uh, I'll cross 10 years streaming VR this summer, which is hard to believe that a decade's just come and gone like that. Uh, but to be fair, the quality of VR we've got now, from being able to kick back with some 8K YouTube, which I did last night, or while my wife with the latest mixed reality aquarium tech, like what you can see in Ocean Rift, that's really cool. Definitely do that. It's way cooler sure. than just seeing it on someone else's video. Um, and when that's done, of course, I throw on my favorite headset, the Darling PSVR 2, and blast off some handies in the grand world of VR. Feels just great. Uh, to be clear there, I'm talking about the handyman in Vertigo 2, of course. So uh, with that, a sure. couple of highlights for me. Uh, the first one is Vertigo 2 launches next week, and I've been having to go with that one for the first time ever. I did not play it on PC uh, pre-release on PSVR 2. Thanks to the devs for that. It's loads of fun. Feels nice. Um, it's given me what I was expecting a Vertigo sequel to give me so far. But man, I had the weirdest, like, deja vu moment while playing. I was, like, playing the game, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I loved Vertigo 1. I was talking to my audience about this whole thing. And then um, I was like, 
Wait a second, have I have I been here before? Did I did I play Vertigo 2 on PC? Like I was like, what what's going on here? I was like so confused. That doesn't happen very often. And then a chat member reminded me that last year there was a demo of like the first couple of levels. But exactly. they've updated it, creatures are different. The the like geometry is all the same. So my brain was like uh, flipping out, going like I've been deja vu before. <laughs> so that was that dawned on me. And that was a weird feeling. But uh the guns are super inventive. I like them. One word of warning though for someone who maybe is like me and hasn't played before. They were a bit like Saints and Sinners in that they've got that kind of weighted rubber bandy sluggish feeling to them. Uh so maybe half a measure of that. And then we had some fun PSVR2 bugs. I'm on the latest build, but oh man, uh, I started without like the menu screen in front of me. I was like way, way above. It's kind of some weird like bubble breaking VR moment. And then I had the most uncomfortable time I've had in VR in about five years in this. Um, Wow. Because what happened is there's a chopper sequence uh, and I won't spoil anything about it, but there's a chopper sequence and I got in the chopper. Now, when a chopper takes off in VR, you kind of expect your body to follow the chopper, not stay <laughs> fixed and rotate as the chopper moves. So that was oh, the most uncomfortable thing because the chopper's moving like flying through a canyon or whatever. And I'm sta- like static and I'm st- spinning on an axis like this. And rotation in that orientation for me is the easiest way to get me sick. I got, I got like, I'll say violently <laughs> ill on stream. I had to stop for like 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> Because oh, of that no. bug. So I hope that's just a temporary transient thing. It gets ironed out or for some reason it was a, a hiccup in the version that I've got. I'm not telling you don't play Vertigo 2. The Vertigo 2 game is really cool. Um, and there's great humor and wonderful environments and all the stuff you expect from a Vertigo title. But man, there's some weird kinks that need to be left out. So if you're busy right now, um, you know, for the next week or two, while some patches maybe land, I'd say don't worry about it because <laughs> uh, PSVR 2 might need a a day one or yeah. a week one patch. Um, but otherwise, Adam, I think you're in for a, a good ride there when you when you get to that. Um, you've played the PCVR one though, right? Before? Mm, uh, not two. Not two? No, just mastered. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. So it does- oh, I gotta get into it. Looks good in the headset. Um, I'll give you a tip off stream. There's a uh, there's a hidden gun early on in the game that you probably will want to pick up. So I, uh, if anyone else wants mm. to know as well. Yeah, and there are so many dunks on valve and half-life and portal and <laughs> oh man this the game like weaves in this kind of like fun tips its hat mm. i love that there, there's a big spoiler i don't want to give <laughs> <clears throat> but what would i say what would i say how can i say it um i can't say it it would be spoiling so marriage I'm mona munshine too no i'm not gonna do that even i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not um <laughs> But anyway, it was it was super fun. Have a blast with Vertigo 2. So that was me and my highlight of uh, the Fortnite. So with that, we're going to move on to the news. Uh, first up, best best news you're going to hear today, Jizzy Arms on BBC, right? So <laughs> uh, now, Jizai, this uh, Japanese word, is apparently meant to mean autonomy and the freedom to do as one pleases. That works so well with this. Um, was a carapace of cyber cybernetic cyborg arms that you could have it was it was in this weird dance video we showcased it on f reality last year now bbc put on a show with a lady named sarah who showed up 
um, and had a, a situation, a special situation. And just to be clear, these aren't actually the Jazai arms. Um, this lady lost her lower leg and her full arm in a train accident, was fitted with a prosthetic arm that is both bionic and infused with AI and is powered by oh. thought and machine training. Now, she shows off a number of what the BBC presenter calls party tricks, including a wrist that can rotate 360. So if you had any dirty thoughts about Ooh. the jizzy arms or whatever, <laughs> that might just that might just calm you right down right there. And then she's also <laughs> able with this arm, with the power of thought and some muscle twitches in her in her upper arm uh, at, before the severed point, able to like crush a can and do stuff like this. So, I, I love crap. that that's like the first thing they do is like give her a can and she goes like take the can and goes like <laughs> That's so cool. It's so safe. It's so safe. Honestly, if you had an aunt or a sister or a substitute teacher with this lady's awesome ass bionic arm, I mean, literally, you'd be like, damn, I got the coolest teacher because she's got the leg, she's got the arm and uh, clearly able to to handle it. The other thing that she's got, which I really, really like, is her attitude about the whole situation seems very, very positive. Uh, She talks about how it was difficult to kind of learn. But now she's like, when I... And this is what she said. When I take it off and charge it like an iPhone on my bedside, I miss it, you know, because I've learned to kind of use it, you know, dealing with the zipper, trying to put a jacket on, like all that kind of stuff, like two arms. The world is very much two arm centric. And uh, this is a rechargeable bionic arm. So and there you go. The, the way that they constructed it with like the, you know, the, the look of it. It looks very human-like, but they've mm-hmm. clearly been exp- inspired by Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> like you can see, it, like you know, see the that. black and white yeah. with the, the different color of the fingers. Like they're not trying to make this look like a human arm; they're trying to make this look like a bionic arm a bionic that kind of looks cool. And that brings me again to that point. I, I know that we we talked about that a little while ago. Like, but eventually we're gonna like hit a point where, you know, these kind of things might be better than the arms you know my wrist oh, can't yeah. turn 360 degrees you know and can't i mean i can't crush, crush a can i think but, very easily uh, like yeah but it's like uh we're, we're gonna come to a point where these kind of things become because they've been built by engineers and our yep. body has not been um that these kind of things can do things that we might not be able to do or might want to do uh more effectively isn't that the so world it's of gonna, bioshock essentially as well where so you've got the mix of like cybernetics it's, and people doing cybernetic augments, plus yeah, like well, the exactly. like the the biological uses more injections. Drugs. I know yeah, it uses it's, drugs. It's injections. It's more like like cyberpunk or a Deus Ex Machina, mm. where you have like I, I, I don't even know the company because I was like uh, I I found that so cool. It was called the Seraph Industries in Deus Ex Machina, which was building these kind of prosthetics. And, you know, prosthetic arms, prosthetic limbs, and, you know, these kind of things. You're, you're doing something like... I do, Rowdy. Deus Ex Machina. Do you mean Deus Ex the video game or Ex Machina the movie? Deus Ex the video game. The video game. Okay, cool. Yes, yeah. Yes. Okay, that's that. That's really... Because it doesn't look too far off Ex Machina, the gal who's infused right, with AI in that yes. either. It's kind of similar, right? But you're, you're making a great point here that... uh it's starting to get attractive. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's DSX, yeah. DSX, yeah. Thinking, yeah I do the same. I'm thinking about the DSX Machina, which is the, the Greek uh, kind of yeah. plot play. Yeah, plot yeah. device. Yeah. 
Um, oh, cool. It is cool, honestly. So we saw that's uh, Jizzy Arms in the wild, right? <laughs> I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool to see. That's actually even cooler than, than the original Jizzy Arms, to be honest. Um, they work. They're actually functional. They're not yeah, just for dancing. It's, and... it's, it's not an art show. It's a, a functional, yeah. practical thing. Yeah. Because the other one was more like arms on a backpack. It was I like. pretty lame, <laughs> to be honest. It looked cool, but it was shaky. It, you didn't really have span of control. The arms could poke a kid's eye out. Like, what are you going to do with it? Is that a negative, though? <laughs> <laughs> Never trust an atom. So... <laughs> With that uh, slippery slope, we're, we're sliding right into the next news. Uh, last podcast, we spoke about uh, First Contact Entertainment shutting down. And one of this podcast's kind of a very own Frank Marm, uh, their community manager, um, kind of opening up about that. Now he's back on YouTube. Uh, he had a great YouTube following, 50K subs, and a really kind of his own unique flavor to a bunch of things. This great kind of mafia boss style voice to the whole thing. And um, he's just uh, he's just posted a YouTube video first time in quite a while. And so uh, if you don't know the Frank show, it was great, fantastic uh, spirit to it. And uh, it stems from back when he was working in the restaurant business, going nuts, hoping to do anything else with his life. Obviously started with YouTube, found his way into first contact. And now he's back um, when he was speaking through his video. I recommend to check it out. Uh, but also to go subscribe to his uh, his channel because uh, Frank's got more stuff coming. He's always been really, really uh, entertaining, uh, I would say. All of his casts, his opinions. And now he's, you know, the muzzle has come off. Frank talks very much about how he's been shackled all this while. Um, he speaks very, in a very comedic way about uh, dealings with the legal department, you know, wanting to say something, then not being able to say it, and then feeling bad he can't use his own words. Um, so very, very glad to see him double down on this venture. Uh, and he also speaks about the Frank program. So for those of you who maybe aren't as lucky to be in like a, uh, you know, a VR headset manufacturer's program, but you're a creator or a budding developer, um, go maybe hop into the Frank program and he's going to help connect devs and creators and stuff like that and double down. And all I've got is one little ask, Frank, get me a pair of them jizzy arms. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can be buddies again. So that's Frank. Glad to, glad to see he's uh, back on his feet with that wide smile that we, uh, we've missed for quite some years. Yeah. That's the Frank show. Chaotic, and I love it. Yeah. I, I, I'm very excited to be able to... because to, I don't want to say it's before my time because that makes me sound super young, but I mean, <laughs> I was relatively, compared to you guys, kind of newish to VR and the VR podcast scene and everything. So I'm like, oh man, I, 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 there's a special place in my heart for chaos and humor. So I, I love that and I can really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's needed. A lot of showmanship. That's the thing. That's the thing. And it was interesting because I think he's going to go the way of like adopting his normal voice now instead of just putting on the kind of Frank moniker. Um, so he hinted at that and it, it looks and that'll be good because it'll be in his uh, natural element. His Actually, he sounds a lot like his kind of Frank character in real life anyway. So uh, I don't think he needs the, yeah. the, the extra sparkle <laughs> necessarily if he decides to go that way. Uh, with that, we've got another little bit of interesting news uh, from Razor from Project Esther. Now, this was, I think, announced at CES, but I caught it on the web, so that's why I'm covering it now instead of in the later later spot. Uh, in short, uh, they're coming for subpacks uh, market share with haptics in a seat format for your for your whole body. So I'm currently sitting in a rumble chair, uh, slapped a subpack that is no longer uh, battery healthy onto my chair, and I can tell you that there is certainly pleasure to be had with a bit of a rumble for your bumble. So 
this uh, this this new project from Razer is leveraging Razer Sensa HD haptics. So think about I don't know Nintendo Switch or something like that. Maybe the uh, the DualSense controller where you've got realistic and complex sensations over a 16-panel haptic actuator-laden seat cover. I guess you would call it. So you sit on this thing. Interesting. And it 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 has essentially an API that it can that a certain games and experiences can can interact with for detailed sensations like i don't know feeling alien acid drip down the back of your seat and slide down towards your legs um or it's also those kind of experiences you're talking about okay right now i'm following (laughs) and uh and it's got the cool thing is it's not bluetooth based but it is wireless so it's got a 2.4 gigahertz antenna for a direct connection and sub 20 millisecond response time which always, if you've ever dealt with one of these things, uh, can be a trip-up point for it, particularly those like a subpack that are waiting for the audio signal to come through, trigger the actuators, then you feel. So if there's a boom on screen, you see it kind of like, it feels like milliseconds later, but the delay is, is discernible, you know what I mean? So if you go for something more like a B-Haptics vest, like a, like an, uh, an API-style interface where the game or program or application is directly telling by a code, hey, this event is coming, then it can be far more timely. So that's cool, but it also has the audio-driven capability. And this looks to me like the perfect purchase for someone like myself who is all about haptics. I've got a rumble couch, I got a rumble seat, my SIM cockpit rumbles, like everything rumbles in my house. You just numb by this point oh, now. Yeah. You just <laughs> just <numb>. still <laughs> just trying to trying to tap anything for feeling. And um the Subpack team had the X1 we covered probably three years ago. Still isn't out. I think Subpack might be in trouble. So if you're looking for a company who's done other VR type accessories and you do a lot of like seated VR gameplay, look into this thing. No date yet on release, no price tag on it yet. That is Project Esther with the Razer Sensa HD haptics. I'm curious because I don't think either of you two are converts into the tactile realm. Um, are you are you are you into the rumble or uh, into devices that do this for you, or not? Well, not, after not so that description's in, like uh, it's <laughs> kind of hard not to, you know. I want to I want to experience the acid <laughs> dripping down my uh, dripping down my back. Yeah, for sure. Hey, mm. I, I feel like V Haptics has spoiled me a little bit. Where I mean, I I yeah. do play flat screen games too. It's not like I do VR. It's like 50-50, I'd say, but. I, you know, I want to feel myself get shot in the front and the back. <laughs> and there's no way you could make these things sound normal. But I feel like if, yeah, if it's just your, like, butt and back, it, which would be cool for explosions and stuff. But I mean, even with the B-Haptics vest, when it came to the non-customized stuff where it's just going based off of audio, I feel like the seat then would just be rumbling. Just like that, just like the B-Haptics vest. It's just a, a non-customized rumble. So I'm curious to see what games are... But it is Razer, though, so it's a big company. They'll probably get a bunch of game developers hooking up this thing. But I, I would be I'd like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'd be interested in it. But I'm just I feel like I'm spoiled by B haptics and wanting the full like 360 sort of haptic yeah. experience. Yeah, because I, I will yeah. say, having tried B haptics, I don't own that best yet. When you feel that pass through the chest, right, and front to back, that's a really special feeling. Um, but mm-hmm. the thing is, for me, I, I game in two modes, and this has kind of evolved, like for VR. I'm either, hey, I'm tired, I'm lazy, I'm going to sit down on my couch or in a chair and do Fair. something, which is where I see this applying. 
or I'm standing. Like more often than not, I'm probably a 60%, maybe 70% standing VR gamer. Even when I'm not on camera, I prefer to stand these days, uh, mainly because I sit work all, all week and then I'm like, okay, let's get some exercise by standing. <laughs> um, <coughs> you know how it is. Um, although I suppose in some games, like whether it's Samba de Amigo or Asgard's Wrath, right? They are quite involved. So that's, uh, you can't actually burn some calories that way. Uh, but I miss having a standing haptic vest. Uh, look forward to see where Razor's going, especially because Subpack hasn't delivered yet. And we'll see uh, what Project Esther brings to us soon. Now, with that, I want to give a little shout out to a community member, uh, DMAX. And if anyone here, like me, doesn't mind going back to a paperback book or, you know, popping in an old CD, like enjoying what the 90s had to offer us back in the day. Uh, DMAX has put together a crossword puzzle. Now, it's available on the web for any of you technically astute out there. But in, in essence, it is a crossword that's filled with both VR and some non-VR stuff. And it was really fun. Uh, I got an early version of this, printed it off in PDF format, you know. And uh, then I was in bed late at night with a little light, like <laughs> doing my crosswords. And uh, it took me two nights to do it, but I got through all of them. There was only one I had to cheat on because I'm not good with actors and actresses' names. Um, so I just want to say it's not like missed VR level puzzling. You can do it. If it sounds fun to you, go check this out. We'll put a link. Um, there, there's a link actually in, in Discord, in the F-Reality Discord. So just freality.tv and then find our Discord link. And it's under the chat about anything section. And I pinned it so you can find it easily in the future. So there you go. And in about a week's time, the answers will come out. I do have a full answer sheet right here, but I'm not leaving that on screen uh, because I figured it out. <coughs> Screenshot uh, it quickly. <laughs> but I recommend people go and do that. And thanks to DMAX for putting that together. I love that kind of stuff where somebody does something kind of out of the blue for the good of, good of the community. You know, nothing, nothing else uh, behind that one. And speaking of the good of the community, we have um, some cool news from Upload VR that they posed about a week ago about uh, Quake 3. <laughs> On Quest, some of you have t dabbled already uh, with the Team Beef mod that allows you to play Quake 3 and some of the other Quakes. Right. And um, apparently, id Software are now talking to Team Beef about this, about potentially putting together a formal port uh, for nice. the Quest store. Uh, John Carmack has been trying to pair those two up anyway. John is well known for his work at id um, with things like Doom. Uh, and so it's really great to see John making uh, waves again. This isn't particularly recent news. This is a couple months ago that he was trying to kind of put those two together, act as a, a particular Carmack Cupid. Uh, but I'm just going to say Q3 DM17, I'm waiting for you. I'm not doing, I'm not going to deal with Team Beef's mod. I'm going to wait for this full port to come out. My fingers and legs are crossed. I'm a Quake boy. I, I grew up on that game. Please bring it. Please bring it to the Quest store. And that is quite Man, I know that a lot of people have been talking about there, there's been, you know, drama on either side about the flat to VR mod. I think it's a great thing. But hey, if it gets if it I love people don't realize that these companies, they have certain schedules they have to align to. And so trying to dive into something not completely new, but basically remaking a game from scratch in VR is something they have to dedicate a chunk of time, a chunk of resources to. So if they're able to have something like this, that I mean, again, I don't know. Uh, how like if it's by half or like three fourths or whatever, how easy it is to work with this to in order to get your your game to have better VR support. Like it's still super helpful. Yeah. And if if uh, you know if ID's doing it, I imagine 
they're, they're pretty big companies. I imagine others can too. Well, so I hope this is absolutely it happening. Easier. That is the perfect segue yeah. into the next part because uh, some of you who are tinkerers, like Jose is probably the most tinkery of us, um, will know that um, Prey Dog have released their public beta for UEVR, which is an Unreal Engine injector, allowing you to take a whole catalog, thousands of games that were built in Unreal Engine and essentially allow them to have VR support. Um, so that's crazy. That's like, a, this has been something that's been touted for the last year, I would say, kind of teased demos popping up here and now. Now you can get your hands on it. So while this is still early days, and I would equate it to like when the Steam Deck first dropped and they're like, oh, hey, I can now play games on the go. Um, we were waiting at the time for certain profiles to come out for uh, different game de developers to decide to better support that platform. And now you pick up a Steam Deck, like there's a huge library of things that it supports. So this is the beginning of UV UEVR, but there are still some great things you can play. For example, Atomic Heart. Uh, Tony Hawk 1 and 2, the kind of remastered ones, are meant to be absolutely fantastic with some of the environmental <coughs> effects in there. What Remains of Edith Finch. And even, if you're getting kind of antsy about, you know, GTA San Andreas, then why don't you pop into GTA Vice City with some of the profiles created by the community. So as these profiles evolve, that's really the magic sauce, right? People are able to tinker, find the best settings, and then you can very easily browse via web browser pick up a profile and just play. So that's pretty awesome. Um, I know for a fact, Jose has been tinkering um, and he's got his dreams set on a lot of these titles. I haven't touched it yet. I'm going to hold off. Um, I hope this project remains live and thriving, but to Adam's point, developers are already starting to see these examples of their games gone VR and start to consider proper VR mods for their games. Uh, which is great. It's showing them, you know, like like Adam said, hey, it's worth the resource. It's worth the time to put into it. So that's great. It normalizes VR. It brings AAA and AA content uh, to us that we didn't already have and honestly helps to prop up PC VR at a time when honestly it needs it. So one thing I wanted uh, to show you I as think, well. I think that's the, the main thing, right? That it like exposes maybe a a wider variety of games to virtual reality and oftentimes i think that by trying out new things you realize that some things you think that might not work actually could work very well like i see a lot of those games for example with third person views uh, like yeah. where you like yeah. hover above that we don't see that in vr a lot because i think the the i mean you had malls of course which did that very well but i think the the idea of virtual reality is always like, oh, you need to be in that, you know, you need to be in that scene, you need to be that person, you need to be there. But maybe with these kind of things, what we show is that, you know, there is maybe an entire array of games to be explored um, that use a different kind of, of, of way of approaching that. And maybe that is already nice to get that from this. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I saw Ani asking for specific devs. I didn't jot down any names. I've seen three or four. Sorry, I just didn't take them down from my show notes. Um, one thing I did want to want to um, show on that, the thing I like about that, Rowdy, is, okay, so you're talking third-person games. I also think a lot of indie titles, like titles that are supported by a single developer or two developers or something, you know, take the new world of Goo, like, for example. What if that could come in in kind of a multi-tiered way so you've got, like, parallax effects and stuff like that coming in? I'm just dreaming, right? But... 
there are certain yeah. styles of game that <clears throat> when you're making them don't make sense to kind of even think about mm-hmm. VR, consider it. Third person is great because third person looks terrible. Um, for example, if I'm in third person playing on GTA, the problem is my head, right, is like looking at a character. Now the camera's away. Now the camera's back on the character. Now my head's away. Like when I'm looking around the scene, it doesn't feel natural as a viewer to watch content like that. But in the headset, like you said, you know, if you're, if you're playing Moss or a game like that, Lucky's Tale, um, yeah. it feels great. Uh, third person yeah, so, platformers so, are, are, are a really good experience. Yeah. So, so for me personally, I mean, I, I don't think I would ever like play like a full game through that. Of course, that's from what I've experienced before. But what I do think it like it, it opens up maybe new avenues in people approaching virtuality, like maybe developers that have not considered doing VR maybe all of a sudden because of this see great success because of it and then might convince them to maybe you know start thinking a little bit more about virtual reality when they develop a next title or make their own mods or make their own uh, kind of uh, applications to that so that makes me excited about it I, again i think a lot of this is like oh i want to experience how it is in the game like for example we did back in the day with vorpax a lot it's like yeah. how does it <laughs> yeah, actually God. look like when i'm in there I would never go to play the entire Bioshock Infinite game in four packs, even though I technically could do that. But it is kind of cool to maybe, if you're a real big fan of the game, to actually be present in that world for even a little while. Absolutely. I, You know what? Uh, the one that I tried, which was really old, was Quake 2 ages ago. I, I tried, I think it was Vorpex or a similar mod uh, that allowed me to play Quake 2. And the weird thing was, back then... They designed all the assets like in complete style. So they do a whole weapon texture. They do a whole. So you you actually had like you could turn your hand over and you're like, I never saw the backside of this gun. And if you're a real <laughs> sicky like me and you're like, yeah, because Quake 2 was a nasty piece of work. If anyone's played it, like there are torture chambers and there's dudes like nailed to a cross and you push a button and you're like, what does this button do? And then it like slams on the guy's body and like, you know, he gibbs all over the place. And in VR, it's like, yeah, uh, but going back there and experiencing some of that stuff was pretty fucking cool. So you're right. That feeling of stepping into the game, even for really old stuff, is worth doing. It's worth doing just for the tour. It's like being a tourist in, an, in a game you already finished, for example. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, one game that I still to this day chuckle about is uh, Ride 4. So there's now Ride 5, but Ride 4 is a game that's compatible with UEVR. It's got some nuances to it, so it's not the... Uh, and it's usually available for just a couple of bucks. But this is a motorcycle simulator, and there's this great video showing a rider on his bike zipping through an Isle of Man course in the rain, which is nasty. This course claims lives every year in an infamous Isle of Man race. But this is just showing you what it looks like. I mean, it already looked photorealistic. Now it's showing you with the VR, like, look around <clears throat> capability. This looks great. Like, just in terms of the look I and feel. I saw that. Yeah, I didn't I, even I've, realize that that was, like, I first VR thought this was a, a person driving a bike with a VR headset on. And I was like, that's just yeah. crazy. It looks like someone driving stupidly, but it does look... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does look have that realistic look to it, though. I was like, holy crap, that's the mod at work? That's insane. Yeah, and the funny thing is, even before UEVR came, my dad, about four or five weeks ago, sends me a text, right? Or a, a link to a video, a YouTube video, which he almost never does. 
And he says, look at this, because he was he drove around this on his motorcycle. He was a big motorcycle nut um, when he was a bit younger. And and I'm like, Dad, that's a video game. That's not real. <laughs> He's like, look at this guy. I'm like, look uh, further in the video where he knocks like 20 cyclists off. Some of them fly behind hedges like this isn't this isn't real footage. Dad. <laughs> it's not real. And, and he was he, maybe like, it was him and you just witnessed something incredibly disturbing. <laughs> But you're like, this must be a game. There was a whole channel dedicated to just like it talks about some severe accident at this race, that race. And it uses these photorealistic games to convince people and they get like huge views. And I looked at this content and I thought, wow, I can't wait till VR comes. And then, of course, now VR support has come. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, wow, we're there. We're, we're like crossing that boundary. Last year, we saw that um, Unreal project with that. Uh, body cam mod, right? I forget. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it called? I forget the name of it. Yeah, I know what you're talking name. about. But it was super convincing. And so we're really, really close to this like turning point of like being convinced that what you're looking at is real enough that your brain's going to get fooled. Now, if you were in it, probably not there yet. We're probably still a couple of years away from the detail level being that rich. But man, when AI starts filling in the blanks for us, wow, we are we are really, really close now to something amazing. So, um, <laughs> Well, and that's people yeah, our age that's that's getting fooled. Like there was that viral video where someone played Grand Theft Auto and told their grandma it was live news. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that one. And Grand Theft Auto is not the most like graphically, you know, yeah. graphically realistic no. game out now. But she's just like, wow, I can't believe that guy's going over. He's being so reckless. <laughs> it was messed up, but it was really funny. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! But it does. It looks real. It, it looks real. Um. You know, when you when you just sit a camera there and you're like looking down on a street or, or whatever, you just sometimes I leave it on. I'll just with my Steam Deck, I'll leave it on my TV, just going like, you know, characters there looking at the street because it's just kind of nice. It kind of reminds me of, you know, Geek Odin's uh, virtual desktop uh, Chicago four or five K yeah. video that goes in the background. It's like kind of calming, uh, and it's like that in, uh, in in GTA, except for every so often somebody drives someone over, you know, and you hear some screaming. But aside from that, it's very <laughs> calming. Um, so with that, uh, and speaking of screaming, I thought we'd move on to uh, a little news about Zenith. So this is the MMO, a VR MMO that's kind of been the, I'd say the biggest name uh, recently in recent times uh, and most successful so far. Uh, but they're having some uh, financial difficulty. And uh, recently we've had this, obviously not just in VR, we talked about First Contact, Twitch is having issues with uh, laying people off, big companies out there kind of axing staff and stuff. Um, but yeah, Zenith appears to be hanging on for dear life. And I think an MMO is the dream that many of us have for VR. In other words, a world where you can go and explore and make friends and spend lots of time and go back there. And obviously, to some extent, Meta has been trying to do that with their Horizon universe of apps and experiences. It's not really well interconnected yet. But one sneaky thing I noticed in their menu system is right next to your applications, you now have worlds and worlds is just a direct hop link to horizon worlds which is making kind of bringing that barrier down again and again so if you're just a natural person off the street pick up a headset jump in you're like i don't have too many games but what are all these free things i can jump into when you have a good time and you meet real people honestly they're 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 kind of bringing the dream uh to the door so i'm curious to see what next mmo have i know we have a couple i don't have them on the tip of my tongue but we have a couple slated for this year so watch the mmo space Looking forward to see what uh, what comes out there. Are either of you like old World of Warcraft nuts or anything like that? Oh, like, no, for me it was Guild Wars. Oh, I Guild played a Wars. ton oh, of really? Guild Wars, the original me too. one. Yeah. yeah. God. I mean, the, the, the main reason for me playing Guild Wars was because there was no monthly fee. There was like a one-time yeah, fixed fee. 
and then you would Fair. buy a DLC every so often. So that was for me like the main reason to play that game. But I do feel like the entire I mean, again, like I don't know, maybe I just grew out of it, but I feel like the entire MMO scene has kind of like had its run. Mm. And it's not really I mean, if I was a developer, I don't think I would consider doing an MMO right now. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't feel I mean, maybe that would change. Of course, maybe maybe they should do it because there's maybe a lot of market space for it. But I feel like with, with the current generation of, of, of games and people playing games, I feel like MMOs require a lot of time, you know, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of time sinks in there. And with like the entire things that we have seen recently with like games like Fortnite uh, that, that really are like, you know, quick matches and quick succession, uh, these kind of things. I don't know if people are still really, I mean, there's always a group there for it, but I don't know if there is a, a market big enough in the virtual reality niche yeah. uh, that is that can support a game of that size. Well, it's the trouble is it's really like you have to have a very, very strong content pipeline roadmap. Yes. Plus you're dependent on multiplayer, right? You're dependent on people coming in. And in this case, picking up a headset, logging in, spending time. So you're basically now a player character that someone else can bump into, right? So yeah, yeah it's complicated for VR, all right. Um, I don't know that it, I do think that that will become uh, one of VR's strongest selling points because like what we see in a lot of like TV and cinema, when we talk about VR, it's it's this world that everybody's logging into, just like we had with uh, what was Spielberg's Ready Player One, for example, um, where you, you log in and it's kind of your whole life in there and it's all interconnected. We really are far away from it. But once we get there and once kind of, again, AI is able to fill in the blanks or you're able to get your holodeck, the thing you always dreamed, or customize your living space and have cute creatures as pets or whatever you, you dream for your life, if it can give it to you, then um, I can see myself, you know, revisiting that. But right now, yeah, set, sad pet dragons is not what I need right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just too, too early for them. But maybe, I mean, again, they're still, they're still around. So I don't want to talk as if they are already gone. But um, maybe, you know, worst case, if they do go under couple years down the line once hardware gets better other companies can also sort of learn from zenith and what they did really well and maybe what they didn't as well as other i know that yeah like you said a couple other yeah. um smaller isn't there one like township township tale, was right? kind of like that it had single player like as well server orbis yeah, vr like server was level. i would say the first yeah. mmo that i remember being a big deal and it was pretty cool it had good instancing it had as i said pet dragons uh, and you could you could you draw symbols with a wand, whether you were a level one or a level five. Once you learn the symbol, how to cast it, you could cast it. So there were some really cool things that VR has done in this space. But yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, it's going to take it's going to take time, I think, for us to kind of yeah. pull out of out of this and make it as Rowdy's, Rowdy's saying. Right. It's got to be fruitful for them to actually make yeah. it make a business let's make it make business sense. Uh, I'd love to have see like a Guild Wars or something where there is no subscription uh, tied to that as well. That'd be that'd be neat. Although I, I don't think this one is a subscription today. Alicia uh, is coming. Okay, that's another one. So with that, uh, let's hop towards one thing. We've talked about kind of PC VR a little bit and some of that stuff. So let's slide over to PSVR two. Well, there is a company called Ivory I V R Y who's been working away at a solution to adapt the 
Sony PSVR2 headset for PC use. Um, the idea there being that if we're able to unlock the current encryption and performance layers that you have between the device and the hardware, uh, you'd be able to use your PSVR2 headset on a PC as if it was a, it's like a Quest, uh, you know, connected via Quest Link or an index. Um, the latest updates show uh, that they have a working solution, three parts to it uh, for this PC VR adaptation, but it is incredibly niche. Uh, it involves some external hardware you would need to purchase, a virtual link port on your graphics card, on your GPU. I happen to have it. I'm lucky. Um, and a DP aux adapter. Those three together is the magic formula today. So there is a Patreon project. If you're really keen on something like this, you can go follow them for more details. Um, very hot and cold, I'd say, this particular developer on both their tweets, their support. They pulled out. They're back on it. It's kind of <laughs> mental, honestly, following the development on this one. Um, and now, I'll be honest, as I said, I've got a computer that I can plug my PSVR 2 into, and I get that cinema mode. So I could play any PC game with PSVR 2's beautiful 120 hertz OLED panel. I've done it, and I don't find myself drawn to that, actually, on, a, on like very often. So if, for example, wave a magic wand tomorrow, all you needed was a special USB hub, you plug your PSVR 2 into it, and I'm standing there with the motion controls tracked and everything, would I replace my current, you know, Quest 3 or my Valve Index uh, gaming experience with a PSVR 2 headset? I think at this point, actually, they've kind of gotten passed by. It's kind of like the Tilt 5 proposition. I feel like they've been leapfrogged already, and this now has kind of dwindling benefit. I'd be really curious if anyone in chat would counter me in that opinion, and you're like, nah, Quest 3 doesn't have the right screen, I want a PSVR 2 to connect to my PC. I just think the lower resolution headset, the bulk of the PSVR 2 as well, although it is comfortable for some and it's uncomfortable for others, I'm not sure pairing it with a PC makes sense anymore. Um, what are your opinions on that, Audi and... and... Yeah, I I feel like if this had come out, you know, closer to maybe when it launched, it would have, but I don't know how they would have been able to get uh, access to it early, I guess, is the, the trade-off. But I, with with the amount of work that you have to put into it currently, or what it sounds like, I'm like, why would I, why would I do that? I mean, like, but I also had issues with the sweet spot. Um, I don't mind the PSVR 2 that much, but I, I have my index that just already does these things i guess if you if you only had uh you know the the playstation but that'd be weird you'd have a gaming pc but a playstation so it's not like you're you have it's helping you know weak supported pc play games it's just being able to play I, I don't know it's a very strange like maybe if you only had a psvr2 and you were just really really determined but i feel like that audience is small like you know uh, exactly. I feel like most yeah. casual PSVR 2 people probably just don't play it anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, in general. I, one of the things that I, I I would want, but definitely wouldn't happen, um, kind of if I think about like the you know Valve Index and your you know full five finger hand tracking that has had pretty weak support since it launched, um, the facial haptics that are there with PSVR 2 native games, awesome, right? If I could get that. Uh, you know, enriched. That's a that's a unique selling point in contrast to like a quest or an index. Could I could I do that playing? I don't know VR racing games, a space fighting game, anything. Like bring it into Saints and Sinners for all I care. But that won't happen. That software support for that just 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 won't happen. So I do feel if it was me behind this project today, I would probably 
use the analogy, I'd probably drown this puppy. I, uh, I think I would stop this project and move on to something else with my uh, money and time. Uh, apparently, the dev has already poured 15K into devices and props trying to make this work. So definitely serious about it. I just don't know if uh, if there's a reason uh, at the. I mean, maybe release yeah. as is, let people tinker with it if they really wanted to, you know, continue on with the project. But oh, with that amount of money sunk into it, I that that probably hurts. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Someone's got to pay that, yeah. Uh, and, and with that, uh, Rowdy and I are going to give a good old salute here to Best Buy Canada, who apparently slipped up and listed the DualSense version two which is the DualSense controller for, that, that goes hand-in-hand with your PS5. Uh, currently has about five to six hours of battery life, and apparently the V2 is going to launch soon with 12 hours of battery life. Uh, as someone who does on occasion, particularly with my Steam Deck use case, uh, need to recharge my PlayStation 5 controller, the DualSense, um, I'd, be, I'd be interested in a 12-hour battery life uh, DualSense for sure, but the price is probably going to be steep when it does launch if this leak is true so thanks to best buy canada for always looking after us with your website and always um, count on them always count <laughs> on uh best buy yeah. not if you're a seller but if you're a buyer yeah. if you're a buyer <laughs> exactly i love that ashley who's known as the queen of haptics is uh asking asking for that a little bit more a little bit more power there so uh with that and now that we're talking about kind of again tv gaming and all this kind of thing we touched on quest why don't we talk a little bit about Meta Quest and their their, their place in the market? Uh, one thing that's really interesting is a big old U-turn, and this is kind of like hours old news. So first off, Meta decided to pull their Google casting support from their headset. So they had Google Chromecast. casting, Chromecasting, Android Fire Sticks, TVs with built-in support for either of those, allowing you to play in the headset, and then show it like the social screen experience that we have on, you know, PS5 on TV with relative ease. It's just a device. You find it, you click it, boom, done. Takes a lot of the faff out. The way I have to share is, you know, I get a laptop going, connect the laptop to the TV. Then I go to the website and I do casting. It's like three or four jumps. This was much more direct than that. And a lot of people bought Chromecasts to show off their, you know, Google, their uh, Samsung VR device, their um, Oculus Go back in the day. And this is this method has survived for many months. Upload covered this a little while back. And more recently, just today, I was seeing on Twitter <coughs> that it looks like Meta have thrown the feature back in. Uh, it's unfortunately not supported formally by Google, which means um, it may not work for you as is, is, is shortly yet. So the number of devices, the compatibility, the stability of the connection, all of that is kind of a big question mark, in the air. Yeah. but it sounds like Meta's listened and said, all right, fine. We won't focus on stability. We'll leave it be kind of half broken, which to be honest is consistent with the rest of their platform. I'm telling you the number of people who I know who've been locked out of their, their quests because the guardian system gets squirrely and you get trapped in an endless loop. Uh, Meta support tells you to break your headset by resetting it, which oh, is not the right choice. It feels horrible if that's ever happened to you. I, when I felt it, I was like, wow, F. It was Oculus at the time, but I was like, F meta, man. There is no way. Like, I, I can't access my headset. I can't reset it. I can't connect from the mobile app. Like, nothing's working. This thing is basically dead. And the only way I was able to find my way out of that little dungeon was a weird trick I found on Reddit, which was if your 
if your phone has been app connected to your headset before and you you force start casting, it wakes up a digital handshake, wakes the headset out of this, and then finally you can uh, work with the headset again. But thank man. God for Reddit sometimes, the most obscure of solutions. And you're like, I, I don't know how to upvote you further, but you have saved me like several hundred dollars or, you know, potentially whatever. Love thank Reddit. God for Reddit. Love Reddit. Love Reddit. Like front door of the internet for that reason. Like, as you say, I don't know how people stumble upon some of these solutions, but they do. They post them. And man, like if there's a platform I'm going to thumb up, it's definitely, definitely Reddit. Um, so that was fun. Now, the other thing I wanted to show you is uh, market share for Meta and the other headsets, right? So we had a nice little post here on Twitter from NXCZ who uh, showed us that Meta is still chomping away. Um, and the Q3, this is something, um, Rowdy, you'll have to show off. So uh, there's a chart that basically shows like a stacked, what's the name of this? Stacked bar chart? No, stacked just a stack chart. Uh, it's showing indexes kind of healthy, con continuing success as a PC VR headset. It shows Meta chomping away at um, at market share. We know they're the industry leader at the moment. Quest Three just sparked off, uh, just starting to kind of eat into that into that viewpoint. And uh, Windows Mixed Reality still there, uh, but that's going to be dwindling off um, pretty soon. So that little top layer of fat that you see in the diagram. <laughs> Uh, will be coming off. I think it might be delayed by a couple of months because the secondary market is quite interesting. If you see a headset that lands for 20 bucks or 50 bucks or something, and you're like, hey, I, I wanted to get into VR. You just pick it yeah. up, you know, mixed, mixed reality. Then you find the news that, oh shit, Windows Mixed Reality is no longer oh. supported. And you're like, well, feck it. I'm going to connect it to my Steam library anyway and play for the months that I can still use this thing. So um, that is the state of VR today. It what, what, what's your reaction to seeing this uh, this diagram, guys? I mean, Vive has has a pretty steep fall off, right? They need to come back punching, I think, to win some market share back. Yeah, it's not that surprising. They're kind of going into trying to make make new niches. I feel like, <laughs> and I don't know how well that's going for them. Or I mean, again, I, like I I don't know Valve. I don't know, but like it's like the typical Valve thing, right? Then I I still don't see them as a hardware company. Like I see them like, oh, you, you know, said Valve. Make, I, th I thought yeah. you meant Vive, or did you say Vive or Valve? So yeah, because we're talking. So one piece of that is Index, which is quite healthy, and then there's the HTC Vive, which is that big green blob okay. that's right. kind of trailing yeah. off. Yeah, it's sorry. But they've the, been dead they, for years. They've been uh, struggling for breath for years, definitely, because they've released so many different headsets. And actually, there's another HTC Vive headset that's coming as well that we hear about so i'll tell you a little bit but more like, about that later it's 2021 like if you if the big fall off happens you know from 2016 to 2018 i would say right 20 or maybe wow. 2019 but like yeah. since 2021 there's been no change so that's like the past three years yeah well they're yeah ever ever since the uh, rotating headset <laughs> moment right <laughs> It's, it's over guys like they're I, I mean unless they come out with, but how are they gonna come out with something that is better than all of the they've lost the market share they don't have it anymore well they are focused um, on the film industry and they have a lot of good stuff there with their mars good. solution i like that yeah. but yeah in terms of consumer vr hardware i think their best play honestly is to go kind of the route of the big screen beyond go low 
footprint, small device, comfort, 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 and make it work in a simple way tethered to a device like a phone or a laptop. Like, go for that. Now, I think they're going to lose, unfortunately, to someone like... um, Who's the glasses manufacturer you were saying last time, Adam? Um, X-Real? X-Real. No. Yeah, so X-Real yeah. and I'm trying to remember their competitor name again. I can never keep their names in my head. But I think these um, wearable display glasses probably have taken the spot of you're my travel buddy from from anything that, that, that HTC could do. So yeah, I don't know, Rowdy. Maybe they should just back out, you know, and maybe they should focus their business on something else. No, like I, I like the idea of like because they have experience, you know, that's that's valuable. Um, so I like the idea of like working towards a niche, but like, yeah, they're not gonna come out with the, the next big hex headset that's going to compete with the Quest Four or the Quest Three, even. Yeah, I, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's kind of like where's their market? Because, uh, yeah, PC's tough right now. I suppose a, a simple tethered HTC Vive headset would be a market that's still open because I mean, index is good, but it's pricey. So if they came in for 300 bucks, 400 bucks, for example, maybe. I, I still don't think maybe. so because you can buy a quest and then tether it as well. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> it's a tough, it's maybe a tough the, game. Um, it's a tough game. If they worked on like the higher end VR accessories, like I don't mean like Kiwi type stuff, but like how mm. they have the trackers or uh, whether it's body trackers or facial trackers, like something, because I feel like those do, That's I know smart. it's still niche within maybe like social VR um, or, but it still goes into, it can go into movies as well. But I feel like that's where they kind of have done well. So if, if they can come up with more like that, maybe, uh, but then Good point. Because they wouldn't really be a headset company. There is, I like that. There is I the like Asian that market, though. Yeah. Like, there is the Asian market where they have far easier access to, right? Right. So maybe, you know, selling in China, uh, for example, uh, would be... I mean, that's a huge market. So, you know, if you can, if you can play in that, in, in that space and, and, and exceed. But I do think that of all those ideas I've heard, and my own, my own included, Adam, your idea of them becoming kind of an ex- Eclair's accessories for VR... Uh, would would work well because they've excelled there. They can reduce the footprint. You know, Sony's MoCopy solution was awful in contrast to what they've put out. I haven't seen even other tracker solutions be as successful as theirs. And it also dovetails with their film tech equipment. So that sounds like a smart play for HTC. Cool. Uh, it's smart for once. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Rowdy. Um Next up, I'd say let's talk a little bit. I won't go into too much detail here, but uh, the Snapdragon XR2 Plus chip. So while this probably won't feature in, say, Quest 4, this is a basically an over, you know, overclocked graphics cards where you have the stock model and then other ones come out. This is like that for the XR2 chip. So Snapdragon XR2 was recently announced. It's got its GPO clocked to 15% higher than stock. A CPU clock 20% higher, and this is going to be sporting, um, so this is going to be sported in the Immersed Visor, this work-centric headset that's coming out, a Samsung headset that's being worked on, a new HTC Vive headset, the one I was just mentioning, as well as a Sony headset uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later. Meanwhile, Meta are purported to be working with LG on something else and something a bit richer. 
but it does give us a little bit more oomph for our CPU choice for the BR headset benchmark, which is good for standalone headsets yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, they must be making so much money. Imagine eventually where that 15% will keep decreasing over time. Be like, it has 5% more power now, and they'll just only do it in like 5% increments. You know, <laughs> 15, I feel like it still can be pretty significant in the amount of processing power, but uh, I, I feel like also could we have spent more time for more maybe or but i mean i know everything's also based on money yeah well, <laughs> so. but it's also we're getting closer and closer to that to that point where you have no more you know or no more significant out. improvements so yeah it's it's gonna the, the amount of resources they're gonna have to put into you know getting to those percentages is going to increase over time as well going from you know five percent to ten percent is probably like Know, quadruple the investment or whatever that require and quadruple the time required uh, well, to, uh, to to make that as a guy as a guy who spent a healthy amount of time um, in uh, micro electronics courses going through university like the fact that we're down to six and five and four nanometer um, yeah. silicon like connections it's nuts uh, I, I just you know I remember 12 and nine and like it's crazy that we are so that is tiny little connections, <laughs> right? For uh, you know this potential difference that that you have on 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 die. So I don't know. I think it's magic. Um, Rowdy's right. I mean, we are certainly at the edge of boundaries when it comes to silicon and what we can do with it. Um, and I know, like the average consumer is like, I just want more. Can you just make just just do more, right? But uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get more pluses and pro versions of of these rather than full architecture remodels um heading forward i don't know it's been pretty consistent as far as i've been able to see it for the last 20 years so 50 percent uh, is still it's a lot like I, 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 don't, lot. I don't think that we're that we're close yet then because I, I would say if it was like a three percent increase and yeah maybe we're getting close but 15 percent increase on previous generation is a lot still it is i wonder why isn't a plus then why isn't it just like they just make it the next uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know it's, too much it's about the, It's the same architecture. So it's just like if you were going to release yeah. a new, another graphics card. So the actual, like, um, think about city planning, right? We're looking at San Francisco. It still looks like San Francisco, but we've optimized how the traffic moves around. Uh, and then next uh, time, the next, the next chipset will be, oh, now it's New York, right? And this is the New York City. So that's, that's kind of my analogy back to an overclocked GPU. So you can have the stock mm -hmm. GPU that launches before everyone's tweaked it and cooled it and overclocked it and then you get to the plus and pro models essentially so that's it. That that's the sense. equivalent yeah um so yeah that was that was kind of the end of the uh, the quick news that we had and so we're going to flip over to the cross section from ces and some of you might be like well what does what does ces stand for well i can tell you what it stands for to me ces stands for the mostly useless nerd gadget convention um <laughs> Well, we had both Adam and Jose on show floor to go tinker with toys uh, there in Las Vegas. And I've seen some photos of all manner of devices, some questionable. Uh, but this show is best talked to by a lass who was there herself. And before I hand the mic to Adam for her impressions of the floor, I did want to mention a project from Netflix that launched and man caught my eye, um, which I don't know how it was showed if it was at CES or in parallel with CES. Didn't bother digging into that, but we talked about uh, interesting shows, things like Game of Thrones uh, before. Well, guess what? The creators of Game of Thrones 
have something new for us that's coming out on the 21st of March. Uh, three Body Problem, that starts with the digit three, Three Body Problem is an upcoming, I'll call it sci-fi CSI. Scientists are getting killed. Sorry, Rowdy. And um, Always happens to us. It looks like, it looks like Jodie Foster's contact mashed with Independence Day and CSI Miami all together. The premise seems bloody awesome with something killing off scientists, clues and mysteries. And in the midst of all of this, there's a bloody headset. So very similar to some other kind of future facing forward uh, shows, we've got this weird, and this will show oh, after, there's this showing. weird like um, silver headset that slips down over the user's face. Very oh. iconic look and style to it. And this teaser uh, is what they unveiled at uh, around the time of, of CES. So I just wanted to show headset this off. Like, <laughs> what was that, Adam? That's what we need headsets to look like. But you know what? Now that you mentioned this, okay, there was like a at CES on the show floor. I think I saw this, but not really because it was just a silver box that had the Netflix N on the side. So you had to stand in a line to probably watch this trailer. So I didn't stand in line because I was like, I don't know what it's for and I don't got time for this. But I guess I could have watched this on YouTube anyway. So I don't know if it would have made a huge difference. And maybe I think they also had the, I can't tell if it was uh, like a filter or people actually did have a physical version of the headset in the box, but but yeah, now oh. now this makes sense to me as someone who saw what this looked like from the outside. <laughs> it looks really dramatic. It looks it looks really cool. I don't often kind of go for TV shows to be honest. I, I'm more of a movie guy, but I, I watched the trailer and I was like, oh damn, this looks good. So I encourage you both to watch it after you need it with all the, you know, all, well you don't you don't have a rumbling chair unfortunately, but I do. Uh, but you can at least watch it and hear the sounds and and get the idea of the premise. Um, there was a short, I don't know if you showed it already, Rowdy, there was a short teaser, that was the second link, um, that shows the silver headset that features. And this was the teaser we got before the trailer then launched on the 9th. And it's, it just looks super cool. It's super sleek. So, um, so looking Netflix for is making a headset, guys. Confirmed on the F reality. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> so not, not, the reason I like this is that it does normalize. It's just another thing that helps normalize people wearing headsets and brings it into like people's living rooms and they see it. And then they're like, oh, well, what's all that? What's all that about? Right? Like, what's, what's this all about? Like they're going to see the vision pro. They're going to see, you know, Meta's ads out there. Um, but what's going to convince them to push them over the edge and go buy one. Right. That's, that's, that's really the question to be answered. So um, with that, as our little teaser introduction, um, I guess I'll flip it back over to Adam and ask what piqued your interest at the show? What kinds of naughty toys were there this year? And can we look forward to any of them enhancing our VR lives? Oh boy. So I, I guess I'll start off by completely admitting that some of the, a lot of the VR that was on the show floor, I mean, unless you're talking about like, you know, little panels you can look at, wasn't really anything new or nothing that you couldn't just look up online uh, to be completely honest. And I, it's a lot of walking and I hate wasting my time. So I only tried the things that were either that I knew about were announced uh, on the show floor or just weird, weird stuff. Uh, I love weird stuff. And um, so VR wise, I actually didn't actually try any new headsets. I mean, like there were big companies there. Don't get me wrong. Like they had Pimax there. Um, DPVR is probably the only one that I wish I could have tried. Mm. But it was all kind of like 
samey or not really big new stuff when it came to VR. But right. um, did I see you yes. get a Jizzy Arms massage? <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that. That's again, that's one of the fun, weird things that I did. <laughs> but I'll, I'll go the I'll start off with one of the Listen. normal things that I saw that people are probably going to ask about. And that's the, the X-Rail uh, Air 2 Ultra that was announced like just at the start of CES. So I got to stop by the booth and check that out. And it was really cool because they had different sections in their booth where you can try out different features of the glasses. So they had one area where you got to see the spatial computing, like and have the multiple browsers out um, on the glasses. Um, you got to try it out with like a Steam Deck, Nintendo Switch. Um, another area that where they actually put you in a car. Oh, go ahead. You look like you're going to say it, something. How does it I, I'm really so I'm always confused about the X-Real offerings because they, they're, they're coming out like one a year or multiple a year. Um, you said the Ultra, is that the name of the product? So Air X 2 Ultra. Air so two. this one is like 100 nits brighter than the original Air. Okay. Um, it's also, I, I didn't have the first one to be able to verify like comfort claims that this one's, you know, more comfortable than the previous. Hmm. Um, but I guess it also has a better power management so that the device can stay active longer, improve sound, voice control, um, all that but um also bigger it's got a uh oh shoot i had the dimension somewhere oh um 1920 by 1080 versus i think the original one had uh 1920 by 1200 uh rgb display okay or resolution rather okay so some improvements but i thought it was pretty cool someone who tried rokid again xreal something that or what were they they were um another company before they were xreal very similar Unreal? the name is and real, yeah. I don't know how I could just miss a letter, but um, I got to try, like I said, the trying out the different displays with gaming. Um, some of the weirder stuff was there was this really expensive Chinese car that I can't remember the name of because I'm oh. never going to be able to afford one of these things. But um, the example they showed was if you wanted to hook up multiple of these things in the same car and you can control, um, you know, what everybody's watching, not the driver, of course, but the the passengers you could control that all from like the center console. A lot of this requires the car. It's not just individual to x -Real. So I was like, no way I can afford something like this. Um, but what I, what I thought was really interesting was actually kind of on the developer side. So I think, I mean, that's something they might struggle with like any company that needs content is they're going to have to get developers to make content for the glasses. But they have these really interesting like cardboard pucks is the best way I can probably describe them that the glasses track onto. Oh, anchors. The pucks, like yeah, yeah, visual anchors. anchors. Okay. Exactly. And, and they serve as buttons. So as a developer, you could program because um, they have sliders on each of the anchors and the glasses also support hand tracking, which I was like, I don't, we're do? getting hand tracking How? in... I don't, I don't know. It was insane. I didn't even know glasses could have hand tracking, but they acted like it was a super casual, no big deal thing. And I was like, to me, this seems like a pretty big deal. But um, so, yeah, using the anchor from the little cardboard pucks they have and hand tracking, you could like switch from one of the different slots to another to be able to, you know, open YouTube or movie watching or whatever. Um, so I feel like that could be, that's sort of how they're going to be uh, use controllers. So the anchors, if you wanted to. So the anchor, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. So the anchors are used for, but I'm not sure if I caught you there. Was that for like multiple windows? Like they're kind of an like launching for... apps. Think of it like if you, because it's a, it's like a, on one of the like videos, I have it very briefly. Button? Yeah. Yeah. Like a button, but also like up is the, say like a gallery. And then if you slide down, 
that is to launch a, a game app and then left. That's to, like it's a lot. It's a, able to launch different apps that way. Oh, so it's more uh, like it's almost like a remote control in that you've got is it in air finger gestures or like what? How is it being used? How are you sliding? Physical, it's a physical like there's grooves in the in the cardboard anchor. So you're actually phys- using the hand tracking to slide the little uh, oh. slider on the cardboard in place. I need to, uh, I need to look this up because I, I, I'm really struggling. I don't know. Rowdy's probably got it because he's smarter, but um, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm imagining basically like Nintendo Labo cardboard and me like running my hand down an uncomfortable groove of like on its side cardboard. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what's it's going on. It's a flat on. duck, but they just have oh. like um, tactile. So one of them has sort of a, like a, almost a spinner in the middle. So in the demo they showed, they just had like a bug on it. And if you slid it, you know, like a quarter to the right, it was a different bug, quarter to the right, different bug, whatever. But that doesn't have to be that. It can be whatever a developer wants it to be. Then they had the confusing one I mentioned, which was sliders. And then I'm trying to remember what the other button option was. But it was it was different ways of being able to either launch an app or control something in your app. I guess it's also hard to describe because there's no like official apps for it yet. Like the stuff they showed, a lot of it was still in development. Like, oh, one of my favorite parts that they showed was actually a live hologram call, though. Like there was one of the Hmm. members of X-Rail. I don't know where he actually was physically, but, you know, it was a video closet somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. But it was a live video feed of him. And, you know, you're in a call and you could just kind of move him where you want um, in, you know, in pass through or through mixed reality, essentially. Uh, obviously, I couldn't hear him. I don't know if he could hear me well because convention and Wi-Fi and yeah. all that. But it was that was really cool. Supposedly, the being able to set yourself up for that, um, the like he said was easy. I wasn't able to find the booth where they were actually showcasing how they filmed the hologram because I was skeptical. And is that easy? That's something that everybody is so, going to be able to do. Have like three cameras, but I don't know. So, so the, the, these these glasses are they are they um, are they different? Like aside from like the form factor, do they still have mm-hmm. the, you can see through them and then there's a blocking plate if you want to yeah, kind of close yourself off. Yeah, so. like you've got the normal glasses glasses and then you've got kind of like the the display behind it. But it doesn't have, are you talking about like blackout, like a cover for it? Yeah, because I think the original, didn't it, didn't it come with a, like a blackout cover so that if you just wanted to not see your real world around you, but just kind of be in, call it a VR style environment but just see a large screen in front of you floating in the nether um is that well is that how they this operate? one has this one had two different buttons they had one for screen just what you see brightness but also a button that just blacked it out like uh oh an electronic so you could make shutter. it as yeah ah, so they had two different mm, options when it comes to do you want to either better. make just the display brighter or do you want to you know black out this, more of the pass through the, the, the reason i'm asking this is one of the problems that I had with the original model in terms of its design is, and I generally don't like this on devices, is if I have to take anything with me in addition to the device, those two things are going to not be together and I'll be looking for one of them or I'll forget one of them. And it's just like a nightmare, especially if you've got kids or animals or whatever. So for a device to be all together in one package, I don't mind if it's tethered, but if it's if it's got electronic shutter for the button, so I've got full functionality of the device like the previous one, but all in one package... Now you've got me excited. Um, does this thing 
directly connect to a, a switch or whatever and, and, and just work out of the box? Or is there an intermediary hardware step? Is there something you connect to and then you connect that to the device? Mm, that I didn't get to see because they already had it going. Uh, okay. um, other, so other than it just being attached by a cable, I don't know if there's extra step after that that you need okay. in order to launch it. But if it's Rokid, usually it's just, you know, USB-C. And then as long as the switch is powered, you know, you should be good to go. Yeah. Uh, at least in, in that use case, like for Steam Deck or the Switch, I guess yeah, it depends I'm, on what you're I'm definitely keen on, on doing like a Steam Deck thing because, you know, it's the whole like lying in bed comfortably with a massive screen and, and not having to hold like a brick in front of your face. I, I'm, I'm really keen on that use case. So I will definitely buy one of these the second I'm convinced that one of them is the right one for me. So um, cool. And, so that, and being, yeah, like being completely honest too, um, as someone who doesn't use Apple products, um, I feel like if you are wanting to get into the work in, I don't even say VR, because it's not VR, it's AR, but if you want to do work not on a phone or not on a uh, on a uh, desktop. desktop. I feel like this would be better for me. Yeah, like this yeah. this is a better portable display than something like the Vision Pro because a I I couldn't take advantage of the Vision Pro. I don't have any other Apple products, and they they're just glasses. They're not like headset, you know. So this and it's gonna be way uh, way more affordable, way more affordable. Like less <laughs> you know less than a thousand dollars was it for? I reckon it was be between 499 and 699 US dollars, but still not the several thousands <laughs> of dollars that you're yeah, going to be spending. I'm really looking forward when that form factor for work crosses the threshold of being less expensive than a monitor. Once it's less expensive than a, the physical monitor, like a $300, $200 price point, people start picking those up because you can use them anywhere. You can just grab your laptop, sit down on the couch, do a thing, right? Bring it outside, use it for a conference, use it for you know travel, use it for your own entertainment, it then becomes a multi-purpose device that's mm -hmm. both allowing you to work and game better. But until that point, not sure I'm sold. Like I don't want to spend six, $700 on a device that, that gives me what my Quest 3 today gives me. You know, I can, yeah. I, I can wear a kind of bulkier headset that's not as comfortable and, you know, but I can still get a really awesome image, right? Floating in front of me and all that in that space. Don't, don't so, you think that the first step will be Rather, instead of just replacing a monitor, just replacing the entire device. Because you, you're still assuming that you have a laptop and... So now we're talking the... spatial computing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. God damn it, Jose, I told you that. All right. That's true. Uh, I did uh, find the price, by the way. 699 is what yeah, the Air 2 Ultra to be priced yeah, at. That's too high but... for me. Yeah. <sighs> but I guess I could see, to be honest, I mean, especially if you're comparing it to something like the Apple Vision Pro... And you are using it to replace, you know, everything you typically have with a desktop or phone. Yeah, but still, I mean, we we need yeah. to count them in Canadian. That's so that's like I don't know, like forty thousand yeah. Canadian yeah. dollars or something. Forty thousand Canadian dollars. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. With another <clears throat> another ten thousand for tax, right? Yeah. <laughs> we got some pretty heavy taxes here. Um, yeah. So I don't know. So, so that's the <laughs> Xreal Air Two Ultra. Air to Ultra. Okay. And I wish they'd made, they made, they made these things a little easier. Because I've heard of a Pro, and I'm like, is the Ultra above the Pro? Or is it? The Pro, I think, is more, um, how they differentiate it to me is more developer-centric. So okay. Okay. You, most most normal people are probably going to want to get something like the Air 2 Ultra. I, I, I wish people would... Uh would just calm down with the all pros and ultras and pluses out there, yeah, honestly. I like, got confused too. Give it a discreet <laughs> name, please. Okay. A number is fine. The numbering systems used to work great. Um, all right. What, what else did you see on the floor? 
Um, so uh, Leia was there. The LumaPad 2 people, 3D screens and displays. They didn't really have any new hardware necessarily, um, although they are featuring like a like a Leiapix converter is what it's called. So basically mm. you're going to be able to convert 2D images into 3D whether or not your monitor supports 3D. So they're kind of using that tricky technique where it's just like wiggling the the image back and forth to make it sort of look 3D if you wanted to display this on a so it's software? regular monitor. Yeah, it's like a yes. soft, software layer. Okay. Yeah. I think it's still in early access or in beta or whatever version of pre-alpha, whatever words you want to use for that. Uh, so that was something they were mostly touting there. But I still just... I was, I was still so tempted by the LumaPad so, 2. So I don't know why I went over there. <laughs> it's going to be a bad idea. It's like, I already got the Meta Ray-Bans on a whim. I don't need another tech thing that I don't really need. <laughs> but I don't know. Getting able, Being able to play all the different games that they had on there and being able to... It's, it's, something that's really hard to film, though. So I tried to do the whole thing. I was wearing my, uh, my Ray-Ban glasses. Well, it looks like it's a hole that you stare into. Well, what was cool about the shoe demo, oh, I'll kind yeah. of explain this for the audio listeners, is at one point <clears throat> I try to rotate it so you can look inside the shoe by just, you know, your physical body. You're not, uh, uh, so that, to try to convey the 3D-ness of it on a on a flat, non-3D monitor. Right, it's so hard. But, yes, it was really cool. Like, they had Tomb Raider up, they had Zim, they had some kind of driving simulator up. I have no idea what it was because I'm not a driving sim person, but... It's really cool and really tempting. Um, how, how was the display? Because I, I got, uh, Nima showed me that at um, uh, VRTO uh, last summer. And instantly I was like, okay, first off, the tablets feel like weighty in a good way. Like, you know, if you look at a anodized aluminum um, like tablet, like from uh, Apple, for example, like a big one, like a 11, 14, whatever inch size, like a big, a big tablet. It was like mm -hmm. that, like it felt hefty, pricey, valuable. Um, but then the screen technology to turn stuff 2D to 3D was really cool. Taking images that were then in 3D with no glasses and no no discernible stereo shutter. Because I'm used to things like, I don't know, the 3DS and stuff like that, where you can you can tell what's going on. Like you're like, okay, I can, I can see that it's clearly flickering to test my eyes. I didn't discern that with the Leia tablet. And I I was like... Like you, I was like, damn, they've almost got me on the fish hook here because this is it's a decent Ooh. tablet plus this cool capability. Um, I was just worried a little bit about, you know, is, is the company still be floating two years from now? I I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I will say, though, I, because I was wearing the Ray-Ban glasses, it seems to struggle a little bit with the, uh, you know, automatic tracking with glasses. So occasionally I would see that jitter. Um, but so if you're a glasses wearer, it might be kind of risky. Oh, interesting. Uh, they said that that's something that they're working on. And I wouldn't have known because, again, they're not prescriptions. I don't really need them. I just wanted to look cool at CES. And Is that because your 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 glasses are polarized? I don't think so. I think it's because of the it can't. Maybe it's because of the reflection. Oh, it can't track like, your it can't eyes. Track your eyes. Yeah. Right. I forgot yeah, that yeah. eye tracking is central to the technology. And so mm -hmm. there's a couple of things that get in the way of that. I think also there was a problem, if I'm not mistaken with masks i know eyewear was a problem but i think there was another one as well hats or masks or something was messing with that technology so yeah it's a cool trick though it's, it's definitely wizardry and hats off to the company for for making it how was the monitors like the monitor because they have now monitors you can have like a desktop monitor replacement with this 3d technology did you did you try any of that they had um i guess 
I don't know what racing simulation they had it on, but it was on the <clears> SR Pro <throat> 2. It was an 8K 3D panel. Um, and so they had sort of like the racing simulator set up. I feel like whatever game they showcased could have been better because the most interesting 3D parts about it were the blades of grass. Because <laughs> most of the time I'm just trying not to crash or look stupid in a public, you know, convention. But the I mean, otherwise the quality of it I felt was great. Like I don't know if I I don't know I try to look up how much these things were and I forgot to ask when I was there. But I'm I'd be a little scared. Got to be several uh, thousand, you'd think, right? <laughs> Although that, they said their gaming laptops were around like 1400 and I'm like, okay, that's kind of average for a higher end um, gaming laptop. So I don't know, but I haven't been able to find a price on the monitors yet. <laughs> that worries me. That's cool. So basically if you, I suppose the value proposition of Leia is if, if you uh, have gotten addicted to seeing everything in 3d <laughs> and you like the look of things like the looking glass uh, and you want it in a functional product, you can get a tablet or a desktop monitor or a laptop from Leia and uh, pick it up for, I don't know, 30% premium over a, a standard product that doesn't have that feature. Fit for CES. It's one of those things where you're like, I really don't need this, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I did this stupid thing so many times, though, where I was like, oh, I'm wearing 3D glasses. Let me take them off so I can see better. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, these are just... These are not 3D glasses. These are just regular non-prescription glasses. I don't know. I felt like an idiot. I was like, why do I keep taking these off? <laughs> That's funny. Um... But uh, anyway, <clears throat> I'll, I'll move on to some of the more interesting. Rowdy might find these fun, too. They're sort of AI-centric uh, robotics in, in different forms. Um, the first one that I tried, they're called the Moonwalkers X. And I first heard about these on Twitter. So when I got a media email for them, I was like, I, I'm a little scared, but I'm going to try them. And what they are, they look like <clears throat> roller skates that go on the bottom of your shoe. Not as extreme as a roller skate, but it's supposedly supposed to help you um, walk at the speed of a run. And I don't know. I was I was really skeptical walk on the whole thing. Walk at the speed of a run and not break your I, I've legs? Seen, My God. I've seen, I've seen the videos on this before, yeah. How does that Yeah, work? they've been kind of around on the internet. Yeah. It's So basically what happens is when you put your foot down on this, I don't know what to call it. Like, a, it's not really a shoe, like an open roller skate. There's sensors on it. Um, and initially you start with it um, off. So you're walking your normal gait. So it can kind of determine, it can get used to your stride and get used to how fast you walk. Um, and then from there, once you turn it on, it's really weird. It feels, uh, it felt surprisingly safe because it felt almost magnetic. Like you felt grounded, like you couldn't, uh, it was a little heavy too. I think they're like three pounds or something per. What are you standing shoe. on, Adam? Are you standing on a series of wheels, like a roller skates, or what is it? That so, you're... Yeah, it's a, it's a platform with wheels, and there's a hinge where the between the toe and like the arch of your foot. So when you walk, you really have to make sure you're kind of doing heel toe, so it can, you know, determine your gait. Right. But um, I, they did work. I wish I could have done more of a straightaway to test it, but I guess they did that like the day before and they were getting in trouble because people were leaving their booth and CES people were getting mad. But it, it really felt like you were walking on a moving escalator. It was, but you're not on a move or a moving sidewalk. Like, you yeah. know, those straight escalators. Yeah. It was you see in airports. Weird. Right? Yeah, it was weird. Like it, it, it's a, and I don't know why I felt like I had to pump my arms. <laughs> more yeah, you, were, you were like this. Yeah. <laughs> 
there was one. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sad that the my my uh, third person footage was overexposed. But I, it, it like I feel like I had to catch up with my feet, but that didn't make sense. Like it was kind of awkward to get used to in the beginning. And and again, I wish I could have done more straightaways. But it was. You know what? It, I think weird. It, it has a real uh, good use case. So my grandmother and my dad like both have like hip problems, you know. And so like if you have trouble rotating the cuff of your leg joint. Um, being able to step less, but continue to move at a pace that is more human, right? Rather than mm -hmm. hobbling along could really be an empowering change for some people, I would think, you know, like. And I, uh, I, know. I, think, surgery. I think I would like the, uh, the bionic feet by then, you know, like uh, just have the just rollers integrated. Yeah, chop them off and like rollers integrated. They just pop out whenever I want them to. Yeah, that's what I can uh, but they, they were cool. I mean, and they, they did not yet. Maybe that's, you know, next year or something where they'll be doing in-person surgeries to try this thing out. In-person yeah. <laughs> surgery. That'd be awesome. But what, what I liked about these, because I'm terrified. Like I, when I was little, I did bikes. I didn't do roller skates or roller blades because they were I'm extremely accident prone. But these are like, <laughs> they're more like you coast on them. So when you stop, there, it's not like momentum is going to keep the wheels going. They will actually yeah. stop. It's, I think ah. that also kind of messed with my brain a little yeah. bit, especially around turns, because oh. I, I'm like, I'm on wheels, so I should keep going. So sometimes I would like overcompensate a little bit, I think. But yeah. I, I feel like once you get used to it uh, and once yeah. you kind of get over the weight, that was another thing. I was like, these are like three pounds per. Yeah. Uh, my, like to my feet's going to get tired. Nice, because now that you look like an idiot, right? When you're wearing. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I'm not even going to try to argue that. And there, I think. Uh, we don't know what so the moonwalkers x that was the slimmer like version two of what they had um more meant more for regular people versus the original moonwalkers which is more industrial warehouses that kind of a thing and that one was priced at 1400 so i don't know what these Holy. other ones will be at back of yeah. only that's and also yeah. like i'm assuming no. that you yes. can't use these on grass and stuff like that or like a dirt like this needs to be like asphalt you know like straight well, the, roads yeah gra their gravel first versions were used more for like slightly off-roady stuff. So the X are more like for city. And there were some cracks in the asphalt that I was kind of nervous about and it was okay, but yeah, I don't know how far I would want to test these things on like <laughs> scarier surfaces. I wonder but... that works off-road. It's like, are you like, like bumping around yourself? Like, like how does that work? <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, wait. There's a really important question to be asked here is, is, is it possible to <laughs> suspend? I'm imagining those suspension cars that bounce up and down. Um, is, no there, uh, is there, is there, if they're called feckin' moonwalker, can you moonwalk in them? I'm trying yeah. to think because you, you're, you're in control of the shoe. Maybe what? you, you yeah. probably, well, but if you can moonwalk without them, you could probably do it with them. I guess that's, that's my answer. But if you can't do it without them, like I can, it's not like they're going to help you any. Because they don't give you, um, again, they stop when you stop. There's well, not really a... $1,400. <laughs> I want it to be like a Tesla where it's got some yeah. tricks in there. And I, I want it to make it look to like moon. Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Some suspension like... in there. It lights up at night. And, uh... <laughs> vertically go up walls. VTOL. Like VTOL, yeah. just vertical takeoff and landing. Yep, I want all of that in there for 1400 bucks. Uh, Fair enough. All right. Uh, all right. So I'll go on to one of the last things that I tried. Uh, well, the, the last thing that I thought was interesting enough to bring up to the show before I do, you know, a light touch on some of the really cool after parties. 
But this one, so I got a massage from uh, an AI robot and it was actually, I, I didn't die. My, my spine is still in place. You know, we're still good. Uh, how, how it works is you can't see it in the footage that I have, but there's a camera above you, above your body. So once you lay down, it sort of does a scan so it can determine, you know, where like your shoulders, back, lower back, um, all that is. And then um, bef actually before you lay down, you can set the temperature of the bed. You can set the type of massage, although for CES, they only had certain ones because normally you're supposed to be naked on these things, uh, not have you the didn't clothes try that, in the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle, in the middle of the show yeah, floor. In the middle of the show floor. Everybody watching me. All right. <laughs> it it does look like a very sensual massage that you were getting there. Was it a very <laughs> well, that, like... The, the thing that I can only best describe as a foot. I, I, yeah, I don't know how else... It feels it, like a foot. It's a, it's a the foot texture massage. of it is very rubbery. So I feel like on the skin, <laughs> it would actually feel quite nice. Because I thought it was going to be like a nylon thing. It almost looks like a nylon material because it's that tan color. But no, it's it's like a rubbery. And the foot itself is very tactile. So that's like yeah. you can, it bends in a lot of different yeah. ways. But so I guess it the didn't, robot. It didn't do the, you know, the, the chopping. No, no, but what it did do well, because it could move the, like the front of it, it could get like into some spot. And you could adjust. There's a display <clears throat> when you put your head down wow. into that little donut thing. So you could adjust the pressure. <laughs> You could pick like the nature sound you wanted to listen to. You could turn the thing right. on or off. But Chat's calling it the jizzy foot. The jizzy foot. No, the jizzy foot. This thing is cool. I mean, like if we've got robots now that can make you coffee and give massages, I mean, the husband roll's almost done. <laughs> almost. We're the, almost done. It used to be um, a surgery arm, actually, and that's why nothing. they repurposed that for massages because the the arms used to be able to, to sensor. Um, what you call it, like pressure and touch and that sort of yeah. a thing. But I don't know, this was, it was really cool and really interesting. <laughs> and obviously you're probably not going to be seeing any of these in people's homes, but they were planning on having them at like resorts or. Um, I for... already ordered it. It's kind of <laughs> neat because it, uh, <laughs> Rowdy Resort, I, I, I'd go. Um, <laughs> I know you it just, it, It's It's kind of neat because it's like, um, it takes the person out of the equation. Right. Because mm -hmm. like there is a little bit of the nervousness part where you're like, who's going to massage me today? Right. Unless you've got or someone you're who... conscious. Yeah. Like about right. yourself. You're like, don't judge the way I look or how terrible my back is. I don't know this. Yes. It's, it's it's weird because it's it's another step where humanity is just distancing itself from other humans. I recognize that. But there is something <laughs> nice to say. You can go shopping and not have to. You know, when you check out, you can check out for yourself with self-checkout. Uh, you can get your own cup of coffee from a street vendor now who's an AI street vendor or whatever with this robot arm. And now you can get a massage without having to deal with the awkwardness of another human who sees you ha half in the nip, you know, like so. Yeah, I feel right. like it might be a little cheaper, too. I mean, I don't know for sure. I didn't ask them like yeah. it probably depends on whatever company buys them. But they, they also did want to specifically mention it's not meant to replace human massages. It's more for like, say you get one. I don't know. You have that's enough money a, where you can get one every yes. two weeks. That's just <laughs> covering themselves up. Like oh, this yeah. is not meant to replace. But I mean, if you want to re to replace, and yeah, sure, it can. Like, <laughs> well, I think a, like I Spot when I tried, on. I think a human massage would still be better if I Different. needed something yeah. specific. For now. Like for now, <laughs> for, for okay, now. for now. Yeah, diagnosing <laughs> and treating like uh, chiropractic style, it could totally get replaced. You could totally replace a human. Even for sports injuries and stuff. And they'd remember you. 
And yeah, 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 we'll see. We'll see. We'll see a day when, uh, yeah. So if you're, if you're currently studying for, uh, your Chiropathy exam. They, they need to like retrain to like massage operators, you know, where they like, you know, find massage operators. <laughs> this is going to appear on internet videos before long. Okay, next. What do we got? What do we got? Yeah, we got so about 15 then, minutes, by the way, before we got to cut it. Oh, yeah. Then it was just the after parties, of course, um, on I think it was Wednesday night. We had an XR crew party. And so that was with a bunch of different companies. You know, I say live, but it was me there. Haptic Solutions, Titan Haptics, uh, Jeff from Mixed Reality, MXT Reality, Contact CI. So it, it was super fun. I know that um, Mixed Reality, they had a climbing competition thing at the end there in one of his apps. So that's why in the video you could see a bunch of people there just doing this and headsets. And it was slightly chaotic after everyone got a little tipsy, but I loved it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Impact Reality, that was on the, the day before I had to drive out. And that's probably when I also drank the most. And it was a very rough day the next day. But pretty much everyone and their mother was there. It was super fun. It was at uh, Player One Arcade Bar, which they rented out last year. But this year they had the whole place to themselves. Open bar for a long amount of time. People kept just giving more money to keep the bar open, which is great. Like, uh, I think Vive came. Vive and um, a couple other people last minute uh, gave war to keep it open and wow. it was great all the, all the machines were also free you could just go play on them but super quickly they had you know all the cards for people who sponsored the oh, event but i'm gonna just skip over to mine because i think it's the best <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah so if you if you helped like donate oh, a little bit awesome. or sponsor the event they gave you they, in their swag bags they added uh some little kind of trading cards that got that has all the company information like they've got others on here like runes magus uh, j brat nazy uh synth riders qdc bunch between realities really cool a game mix of game developers and uh and influencers that is TV. not an inexpensive giveaway uh neither mm -hmm. in prep time uh nor nor as a handout but i, I assume that's not related to a couple years ago that vr what was it called that vr magazine uh, had done cards for oh, people. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they, I yeah. assume that that's just like an idea no, it's that's... separate. Okay. Yeah. This was just like, if you sponsored it, we'll add your card to our swag bag that ah. like the first 200 people get. And I, 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 I know for a fact, I guess this is a very last minute idea and a lot of them kind of struggled over this and there was a lot of back and forth and fighting about the design and stuff. But you know what? The end results turned out great. I think they, they really made it happen. So that was nice. both of those parties were probably the highlight of my CES, getting to meet and re-meet everybody. So good. That's a really, really smart thing. And now you're a piece of history in a deck of cards that <laughs> like Series a Series one, baby. Like a, like a face <laughs> pillow doesn't go away. Yeah, the thing is now they've started it now next year, right? And then it's the same. Yeah. So it's, it's a beautiful idea. I really like it. And I'm glad to see more people on the faces of cards like that as an old school magic the gathering uh player fan and judge i yeah they had up, people like, idea they had some of us who had cards that were there sign their cards and stuff like it was really cool it was such a fun idea i felt famous although like my name is really wrong or really really long and really hard to sign on a card with a fat sharpie so i'm sorry for everybody whose cards i probably ruined <laughs> My bad. What's the silvery mess? So that's just Adam Bombardi again. Yeah. Also, while drinking in a dark bar, asking me to sign a tiny card with a fat marker. What could go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Well, uh, that's a good that's a good cross section of crazy tech. 
thanks for being on the show floor and checking it all out. It's really, really neat uh, to hear back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I saw a couple of other little things I'll just mention on, on passing. There was a kind of a weird VR controller called Nemo Planet. Uh, there was a little robot that would roll around your house like a Chia pet on wheels. The Luna, I think. Uh, the, I got to see that. That was cute. Yeah. Actually, it was different. See, there's multiple. This is the Samsung Bali, they call it Bali, because it's the shape oh. of a bar ball, kind of like a Sphero um, or a BB-8. It would roll along like a uh, robo vacuum cleaner. And you're like, what's the time? And it takes a little projector and paints it on the wall. And, and oh. you're nice to it. And it says, thank you. It's got some weird <laughs> features. Don't think it's actually going to be useful. I saw a CNET or somebody covering it. Um, but the real thing that for me that stood off the floor, which isn't isn't VR gaming related, but is VR uh, functionality, is a Sony and Siemens company combo where we had um, a new a, a new variant of a headset. It looked a bit like the Halo strap from PSVR two in a more succinct package, tighter, not as bulky, um, and it really looked nice, kind of like done in a gray style, meant to be for creativity and collaboration so very much a kind of working headset um and it it just looked really neat the the coolest thing about it though wasn't the headset it was actually the mechanism that you use to interact with the headset so you have a little ring that you put on you know if you like you should put a ring on it there you go and then you had this little like i'd like to call it the rooty tooty pointy shooty gun uh which is basically a mouse uh clicker i will call it uh that you use to rotate objects that you're designing if you're a cad designer or something like that you're creating a new part you're working on building pieces to construct uh you're an artist for example dealing with 3d geometry this just looks like a really nice headset for that use case and it makes me want to go get an architecture degree so (laughs) thank you siemens thank you sony for partnering on this don't have a prior release date yet yeah, but it looks cool, right? And uh, now I know what the uh, Sony PSVR 3 is going to look like. So <laughs> looking forward to that too. So that was a quick one. That's probably it for CES, unless anyone else caught any other weird stuff. Can't get much weirder than, you know, coffee robots giving you a massage. But <laughs> Rowdy, did you see anything on the web that we've missed? No, I think, you, I think you guys did the... Pretty good coverage of all the the cool stuff. Of course, the AI massage was the the highlight of CS. Uh, CS. I'm pretty sure of that. Oh, sounds good. Okay. Well, I was going to talk a bit about Apple Vision Pro, but as we're running on a little bit of a shorter timeline today, I'm going to just say um, one very simple, right? Spatial computing. Little Jose singing from my shoulder, and it's okay, Jose. We know you get it. Uh, But I do want to remind people that Apple Vision Pro is coming. It's coming first to the United States with a launch date of February 2nd. So this is just around the corner. We're just a couple of weeks away from it. And um, it's got a whole bunch of different things that are kind of neat. The thing I wanted to show you, Rowdy, (laughs) is probably the funny part. We'll stick to this, is people have been dealing with EyeSight, the pass-through camera, and modding it. And they thought, hey, let's look after Grandpa. Let's look after grandpa by using the eyesight feature on Apple Vision Pro. So um, if you remember the Valve Index Frunk mod, where people were putting their names scrolling across their headset, well, people are getting very inventive about what to do with the Apple Vision Pro display. And in this case, it's looking after Gramps to make sure that his, the old ticker hasn't gone. <laughs> um, Terrible, but I love it. <laughs> well worth the... 
I don't even know how much money is this. $3,500. So, ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It's a feck ton of money. Um, so we'll go into Granddad the details. Granddad is priceless. Of right. Apple Vision Pro a little bit more. Yeah, Granddad is absolutely priceless. Got to keep a keep an eye on him. <laughs> what a way little, to go. That was horrible. <laughs> it reminds me of the, uh, do you guys remember when they launched the iPhone and someone was selling the red gem for like $2,000? Yeah. And all it was was a JPEG of a red gem. It was like the first proper NFT, I guess. Or not even an NFT. Because uh, people, oh. but as long as you bought it, you could show this thing off and be like, I have the gem. And and like it sold like 10 copies before Apple pulled it off the store. That's what this reminds me of. I can't wait for mods to come out if it's even allowed in <laughs> Apple's ecosystem. These are all just photoshops for, for the moment, I'm sure. Um, so let's talk Apple Vision Pro. And more we know about it maybe next time. One thing I'll say is they had a um, they had a quick advertisement that they ran, which was weird. Go watch it, um, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. Let's move instead into the next segment because Jose's off wandering in the desert like Saul Goodman after Adam betrayed him. Uh, Adam in that sparkly seat instead is going to do releases. So over to you, ma'am. I feel like I have to go yo yo yo. <laughs> <laughs> This feels weird without it. <laughs> uh, all right. So in in uh, lieu of Jose, I picked four. I think one of them he may have covered before in the past, but we will we'll go with it again. The first one is Twistex. This is coming out for Steam and Quest on the App Lab. It's basically a falling block puzzle game, um, sort of like you know you match the different colors or different rings and then they disappear. Except it's a uh, the video might make sense. Maybe you have to look up a trailer if you're on the audio version, but it's a it's a twisting tumbler sort of yeah. looking thing. The game itself isn't new to the quest. I think it came out in September, but the Steam version actually came out on the 11th. So I feel like if you're a fan of games like uh, Cubism or Puzzling Places, like simplistic puzzle games, this is probably going to be a fun, maybe addictive or, or head slamming on the table. <laughs> Yeah, a little, little more head slamming. I've played it. So it's uh, <laughs> it, it definitely puts the frustration meter up, I would say. But it's it's nice. It's a nice feel and this kind of feeling of rotating the uh, the cups in the cylinder. Yeah, feels unique. I haven't felt that in, in another VR game. It, 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 it feels good. So, it's and got it, less and support, the I see. Yeah. It does. That's <laughs> but the Quest version, I will say, also has pass through support, which is, you know, always good. But on Steam, currently it's on sale for $8.99 US dollars or around £7. And on uh, the App Lab, I believe it's like $9.99 or £8 still. That's a fair price. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then next, I know we've brought this one up before, but I'm so looking forward to it. Finally, it was pushed back uh, but to from December last year to January 18th. Finally, we have Bulletstorm VR that's coming out on the Quest for PlayStation VR 2 and for Steam VR. I uh, won't say too much on this one because we've already, like I said, mentioned it before, but just chaos, um, sort of doom. I want to compare it to like doom styled combat, but with much more humor, crude humor. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lots of swearing, right? And Lots of swearing. Gore? Yeah, I think it's a gory game. Is it gore in there? It was, I mean, the flat screen was, I imagine this one would be as well. I don't know what the rating on this one's going to come out to be, but you could do fun <laughs> things like use an electric whip to move people to lift them up and slam them into cactuses. And the the more creative you got with your murder, the more points you'd usually get. So that's, you know, that, that explains a lot about that. <laughs> it's kind of funny to say, 
They, they say pre-order now on the Oculus Store. Is it, is it still cold that way? No, right? Ah, uh, that's a gray area. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I the trailer actually... was made a very long time ago. It's a, yeah, it's supposed to be MetaQuest Store, I think, now. But a lot of even developers still call it Oculus. It should. Yeah. St- anyway, we're not going to get on to that, but it, we should, should <laughs> still be called Oculus. But yeah, January 18th is when that one comes out. Again, the Quest, uh, PSVR 2, Steam VR. Not sure about the pricing on that one. Couldn't find one, so we'll see. Right. Uh, next up, I have Hunt Together. This one actually seemed interesting. It's a mm-hmm. online PvP horror game that's going to be coming mm-hmm. for the Quest on the 15th and Steam sometime in February. It's if you were to take a game like Dead by Daylight and Phasmophobia and combine them together, because you've got your... Mm-hmm ghost hunter versus ghost but the ghost hunter's got to use various tools to be able to find the ghost and then eventually i assume you know do some kind of exorcism while uh the ghost gets to lurk be creepy perform jump scares and ideally not get vanquished into the oblivion so that one i I just found this one i was like that actually seems pretty cool and i I believe it's going to have uh, cross-platform support as well once the steam version comes out obviously I but, love, uh, I, some 4v1s and 3v1 games have been really, really good. So, uh, And there have been very few horror multiplayer interactive games where people outside of the VR experience can influence what the person is going through. So this is interesting. Love the name. Love the name. The yeah, it's, it's perfect. Uh, and then finally, I think we may have mentioned this one in the past as well, but um, Underdogs. That's the... Uh, physics-based roguelike mech fighting game and uh, it's, it's actually by one hamza the creators of racket nx and yeah. i just i love the trailer for this if you have time go watch it on your own too because the music and the voice acting in this is so good mm. and i'm not even a mech person but i just love the kind of gritty underground uh style of this one the the art style I, i'm not even sure how to describe it either it's it's i mean it looks really good again i haven't played it yet just like that comic book style yeah like comic book animatrix it reminds me of the animatrix yeah actually yeah so good but anyway this is going to be uh on the quest 2 and i believe let me double check uh (laughs) 26.99 usd or about 21 pounds which is currently 10 percent off on the steam store or uh, it's going to be on the Quest as well for $29.99 on USD or about £25 on full. So Steam and Quest, January 15th for some really roguelike, underground, dark comic book mech fighting action. This looks really cool. It looks so, so unique on its own and the style. It's just so steeped in style. I love it when studios just go headfirst into stylizing their game. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get a good core gameplay loop, in there then you've won right the thing i would say about one hamza is man their racket and x game just felt so good so i'm hoping this feels as good as that um looking forward to this now yeah so those are my releases yo 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 i forget how jose ends these things (laughs) (laughs) just more yos uh recap if you wouldn't mind just recap the titles yes so we've got twist x which uh came out on the 11th uh, for steam but it's also on quest app lab we have Bulletstorm VR, which comes out on the 18th for Quest PSVR 2 and Steam VR. Don't know the price of that one yet. Hunt Together, which is going to be uh, Quest on the 25th and Steam sometime in February. 
no price yet, and Underdogs, which is going to be Quest and Steam on the 25th. Very good. And um, again, just stringing it back from my intro, there's Vertigo 2 coming as well next week. So for those of you who've been waiting for the PSVR 2 launch, thank you, Adam, for covering releases. And uh, mm-hmm. Jose's, uh, I don't know what I call it, absence? Absence? Yeah, absence. It wasn't me, I swear. Makes the uh, heart grow fonder, and uh, assuming Adam didn't push him off the skyscraper um right chat chat thank you very much for coming along for this live broadcast uh we're glad to see you regulars show up without fail and if you're new to this podcast religion uh, we'll see you back next sunday except it's not on sundays because baby jesus wouldn't like us stealing his spot (laughs) nope the f reality podcast runs every two weeks every other saturday both on youtube and twitch Uh, this crew prays to the silicon lords at 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern and 6 p.m. in the UK. For our audio listeners, we do a fine-sounding audio podcast over on your favorite platforms. That might be iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud is my personal favorite, because you can just jump right in on a browser. Rowdy gets that out a few days after the live broadcast airs. There's clearly a lot coming for us this year, but with truckloads of spatial computing tourists boarding buses as we speak, will you be a kind tour guide? Or will you listen to that little devil on your shoulder and give them dread halls as they are breakfast burrito? Well, you know what Smokey the Bear would say here. Only you can fight forest fires. So with that, um, let's say goodbye. Guys, it's another cast done. Now it's time to go have some fun. Crew and I will see you on the next F-Reality Podcast. Podcast.